If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Our live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast presented by my bookie. I'm Rich Craig. Alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? Uh, we are going head-to-head with Dynamite once again, meaning we are getting destroyed. There's probably going to be <laughs> a half a dozen people listening to this live. But how are we doing in the uh, demo, though? We're doing pretty good in the demo, I'd say. I think they're all they're probably all in the demo. That I was going to say. And, and so, I mean, 100% of your viewers coming from the demo, that's that's nothing to, you know, nothing to scoff at. So Yeah, that's it's a pretty good percentage. I'd be willing to wager... Every single one of them are in the demo. <laughs> the, oh. the male 18 to 49, for sure. We have we do have yeah. some women listeners. I don't know how many of them are like avid, you know, live stream uh, listeners. It's 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 a sausage fest for sure in the live stream, but uh, that's all right. The live stream is probably, yo, we have a lot of female listeners. Um, at More least than people would think. People think that like we're just like, oh, we're grunty asshole. Nobody likes those. Like, do we have a lot of women listeners? A lot. Yeah, they, they interact with us a ton on on twitter and whatnot but um in the live stream at least in the chat now here's the thing too okay so here's how this works you're gonna have your listeners right then you're gonna have your hardcore listeners who pay to listen live and then you're gonna have your most hardcore of those hardcore listeners who are gonna pay to listen live and then actually chat in the fucking room so what you're dealing with there is just like the most hardcore of the most hardcore of the people who are chatting in the room Right. There's a bunch of people listening live who are never going to chat in the room. You know, it's always the same 20 goofballs chatting in the room. You know what I mean? So, um, well, what was I even getting to with that? I um, guess. Uh, oh, and none of them are women. None of the ones. Yeah, chatting. no, 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 for sure. No one chatting in the room are women. Um, you know, which probably makes them a lot smarter than. Uh, why am I burying the people who I, I really room? don't. Yeah, these are our hardcore hardcores, our $10 subscribers, and you're yeah. just calling them goofballs and knuckleheads and stuff. I, I find them endearing, and I, I, I love each and every one of them. So it's too late, Rich. I've oh, already, okay. yeah, no. they've already unsubscribed. And, <laughs> and, um, Come back for but, Wrestle Kingdom. So we'll talk to you then. So. But as usual, we get crushed live going on Wednesdays head to head, and Dynamite's also red hot right now, which yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. Um, I know you were out giving blood. I was, which, yeah. 
Are times that tough, man? Are you going down to the plasma? <laughs> no, I didn't get paid for this. I didn't. I don't get paid. That's that's like donating the plasma. I, I did not yeah. donate my plasma. This uh, the thing that I do. So there's two different ways that you can give blood. You can just like do the straight thing where they just take everything and it takes like 15 minutes. Uh, the one that I do, they take my. So they take. It takes like an, uh, an hour or so. Uh, they'll end up. They take everything and then give me back the stuff that they don't need. So they'll take the red blood cells and then give me back the plasma and all that other stuff. So. Um, I get nothing out of this except for, you know, being a nice guy, I guess. So, and, and the, the I snacks will. I get afterwards. So that's, that's pretty cool too. See, I set you up to describe yourself as a good Samaritan. See, see what I do there sometimes? I'm a little smarter than you think sometimes. I thought you were, I honestly, I was, I was, the entire time I'm talking, you could probably listen to it in my voice. I'm just waiting for you to bury me. Be like, what are you doing that for? Like, you never, I've never given my blood. Are you, you're, you're not a blood donation. Guy, maybe Absolutely. a plasma. You probably sell your plasma in, in tough times, right? Well, listen, that's fair. I took a shot at you. You could take a shot at me. No, I've never sold my plasma. Okay. Um, I've never given blood either. Never will. Look, I don't know if I'm going to need it. So I don't know. <laughs> you're not. I just, what do you mean? You're not storing it. Like, what? Okay. What do you mean you're. Okay. All right. Whatever. I'm just not even going to. I don't know. Listen, I'm weird about. I could never like, do that. Like, on that I, day, I, the day you donated is the day you would need it. That, that Your concern is that day. Or do you think Listen, that they take your head and then that's it? Like that, the vials of blood that were taken from you, you will never return to your body ever again. I, listen. You're a raisin. You're withering and dying. Scientifically, <laughs> I understand it doesn't make any sense. I get, no, I, I get that. I get the phobia. I, I don't like the idea of blood being drawn out of my body. Sure. It, it, free, it freaks me out. So, um, no, I'm not over here hoarding my but I, I don't feel like that's something I'd be comfortable doing. That's all. But it's, good it's for tough. you. When, when you're next to it and there's just blood bags just coming out and you're just like, oh, man, it's a lot uh, of blood. <laughs> you're like, Jesus. Sounds <laughs> awful. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there, there's still the chance that I pass out in the middle of the show, too. So uh, definitely uh, keep that in mind for if, if all of a sudden I'm very silent uh, for a while. But I should be. I'm usually pretty good. I'm a, I'm a, a, a larger fella, so it, it, it's usually not a concern for me. You know, so. you've been saying that a lot lately. Are you getting insecure about your weight? Uh, not, not like super insecure, just, you know, not, you know, the, not the winter's big tough. Of a guy. I mean, I, nah, I've seen but, you. Nah, but, you know, the winter's tough. You know, the, you got Thanksgiving into, you know, Christmas. Oh, fuck, Halloween, it basically starts. I'm just eating candy all day for no reason. Like, why am I eating candy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the worst is Halloween. The absolute worst. Is, and it just sets the stage for the rest of the, you know, the fall. Um, where you get, like, a bucket of candy. And I get it like two weeks too early, which I should not. I should literally just go the night of Halloween, buy the candy, throw it in the thing. But I put, I, I get a big thing of candy, a big fucking jack o' lantern filled with candy. And then every time I walk in the kitchen, I'm like, ah, you know what? I've earned a Reese's with this, you know, walk through the, you know, I've, I've earned these Skittles by, you know, walking into the, and I'm, I'm, like, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm eating, I'm basically consuming like 10 bags of Skittles a day for no reason whatsoever. Just because Reese's. it's there and it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's in front of me and I need to not do that. So. It's Reese's, by the way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. I actually have Chicago. been. I have been. No, you know what? I actually have been uh, uh, um, trying to correct people uh, with that as well. But then they're, you know, as I'm talking quickly, I, I just let it go. So It's a Chicago thing, I think. It, I think um, it really is. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was because you seem to think that like cause when we talked about it, what was that last year or two years ago that we had the. I, th- I think every year. Every year we've had that discussion. It is the camps that are like, no, nah, man, it's blank, are like 100% Chicago. And then the uh, the yeah. other 100% are like, no, it's it's definitely not Reese's. I, I don't and it, And like the way you explained it to me, it was like it made me feel so embarrassed for yeah. how I had called it for my entire life. Because I'm like, yeah, right. Like, why, why would they be Reese's? 
And then, like, people say Reese's Pieces. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're so weird. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure I did, yeah. too. I'm sure I did. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I want to take back. I'm embarrassed for, like, 17-year-old me saying Reese's Pieces at one point. And I'm like, oh, dear God. What was I doing? Why was I doing yeah. that? Yeah. It's very clearly yeah. not Pieces. Like. Yeah, yeah. At least you're being fair. That you're like, oh man, now I realize. Yeah, I'm embarrassed for the year, the 30 years where I I, I said it wrong. So, well, I mean, the early years of this podcast, I was saying low Shirai. Is that true? Yes. Oh wow, I don't remember. Low Shirai. There's why did I ever think? Why would she have a lowercase L in as the first letter of her first name? (laughs) Low Shirai. But you got to remember. Not a Joshi watcher, so never heard it pronounced. Right. Just read it on the what I just would read it. And then I watched some of her matches a couple years later and realized that I was very wrong about the way I was saying that. I think low Shirai is a more common mistake than you think, though. I think for whatever reason the human eye sees that and they say, or maybe I'm just the only idiot. Who knows? Yeah, nowadays um, it's obvious. I mean, like everybody would know, obviously, because from NXT and and, and right. a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, I don't. I'd have to. I'd have to put myself in the frame of mind of of, of those days. I wonder if I corrected you, or it was probably like, "Yep, yeah, that sounds about right." <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna let you know you did not correct me. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, that's probably. I have a I have a three year old in the house, and you mentioned Skittles, and the three year old, the boy, he uh, he calls M and M's Skittles. Oh boy, and I can't I can't stand it, <laughs> and I. And I correct him every time, and it's just it's not getting through. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to tell you again. These are M and M's. If they're chocolate, they're M and M's. And he just stares at me. So what know? does he call? And what then, does he call the other then? On the foot, are they both M and M's? They're all Skittles. They're all Skittles. Any little bite-sized candy shaped like a circle or whatever is a Skittle oh, to man. him. Hmm. He calls them all Skittles. I'm like, so this like, is like a, the American South calling every soda Coke, even when they're not referring to Coca Cola. Yeah, he, yeah. He'll eat his lunch. I'll say, all right, yeah, good. You want a you want a snack? He goes, yeah, I want Skittles. And then he goes into his little Halloween bag and he picks out a bag of M and M's. I'm like, listen, I've been through this with you. <laughs> it, it's chocolate. It's the brown. You know your colors. It's a brown bag. It's chocolate. It's an M M&M. and M. It's not. These aren't Skittles. Now, does Skittles he know he's like, being bad or, or like not, not? He's not being bad, obviously. But does he know this or does he like? Does he laugh about this or is he just like, no, no these are just, Skittles? He stares at me like an imbecile. And <laughs> okay. Then, so he, and then, he is not aware that anything is wrong here. He's not thinking, oh, this is funny. No. I'm, I'm a little jokester. He, he just says, no, these are Skittles. No, he's not being a wise guy. So you're the think... idiot for not calling them Skittles. No, and I'm trying to have like an, I'm trying to explain and reason with him like he's an right. adult, but he's three. And then TLB is always like, Joe, he's three. This is going nowhere. Just let him call the fucking thing. You can't, though, because then it's going to become a problem for a lot. Then you have Reese's Pieces. You know, he's he's 33 years old calling him Reese's Pieces. Like, you don't want that. It's a slippery slope. I can't. I can't do it. They're not Skittles. I can't deal with it. He's incorrect and he needs to be corrected. I don't care how old he is. He needs to grow up. They're M&Ms. I think you should maybe you should start explaining to him. Uh, oh, I think they might already be under the same roof. I was going to say, like, you know, one's a Mars corporation. <laughs> one's, you know, the Wrigley uh, corporation. But apparently they're both Mars because Mars owns uh, everything. So, um, yeah, that's out there. Two so very know. different. They only are shaped the same. There's nothing else similar about these things. That's yeah, that's that's a little weird. That's um, I'm trying to think of other like bite sized candies that you could try to test this on. And, and you're positive he would call them all M&Ms. No, he calls them all Skittles. Or Skittles. They who don't call them all Skittles. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones that we can try here to, to see. Um, I mean, he'd be really screwed up if, if you know, one of our uh, our European listeners or one of our UK listeners sent you some Smarties 
that always screws me up. Have you seen the, the European Smarties? Which are not our yeah. Smarties. They're very different. No. Our Smarties are like a chalky candy. Like <laughs> they are terrible candy, by the way. One of yeah. the worst. One of the absolute worst candies. The I, I don't mind the I don't mind the I don't mind Smarties. They're not bad. I don't mind them. I mean this is your old. now don't get me wrong, they're they're the last thing left in the bottom of the of the Halloween bag, but it's not like they get thrown out. Like there's some I'll just throw out. I won't even eat like uh like I will not even open whoppers. The malt balls. Oh can, yeah, no, those can hit the road. Yeah. Right in the garbage. Malt balls go right in the garbage. How does anyone eat that? It just tastes like sour milk. How do people enjoy that? Um, like butterfingers. I hate butterfingers, but I also understand why someone might like there's a butterfinger. There's a value. There, there's definitely a value to those. Yeah. I don't understand why anybody would enjoy malt ball like the malt is that what it's called right malt there, yeah yeah you bite into them and it's just like yeah this it, this enormous rush of dried <laughs> sour milk just overcomes your like, mouth you're just like why did i eat this <laughs> like, it tastes like yogurt that expired six months ago like who's eating that by choice um so yeah i'll, I'll eat smarties at least something like that goes right in the garbage um this is usually our Halloween episode. Yeah, I was going to say a good idea to talk our candy. Well, you're asking why I keep mentioning uh, my weight, but yeah, no, I just you know it it it's tough in the in the in the in the winter, and and especially with COVID and stuff like that, it's hard to uh, you know usually I would go to the gym a little bit more often, and get on the treadmill, get on the bike, do that sort of stuff. So I've been trying to do stuff outside, but it's it's getting fucking cold, you know. In the summer, I'm able to you know do bike rides, play basketball, do all that sort of stuff. It's that's been tough. We'll we'll figure out creative ways. I got a I got a bike setup going, which is is pretty nice. I ended up getting a thing that keeps my like actual bike stationary. So I go to the garage, ah, bought a TV yeah. because TVs are so stupid cheap. We talked about this uh, yes. off air where I was just like, I'm just going to buy a TV. <laughs> like, let me, you know, it was like a 40 inch TV for like $80. It was just ridiculous. It was so stupid. It, it's like so you always say so, so to answer my, my question though, is you are getting self-conscious. About I am. Yeah. 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 For sure. So are, are you, do you stand nude? in the bathroom after you get out of the shower and you're like, do you grab the love handles? I, I, the take, st- I take a glance. I take, you know, I usually don't have that much time in the morning, but I definitely get a look and go, ah, mm, that's not like some, you, some do days you, I don't do the, I don't grab my love handles and go, if I could just get rid of these, <laughs> like, I don't do that. Yeah. But I'm, I yeah, definitely, do you, grip the old, do you grip the old saddlebags and give them a jiggle? Yeah, I just kind of, yeah, I, I just kind of look I don't need to grab to know, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, oh yeah, that's what the hell is this doing here? <laughs> Let's try to get rid of this. Is the, is the Sig other making comments to make you feel this way? Is oh, that always. Oh, she's called me fat every day I've met her. So, um, uh, well, I mean, that's the problem. Well, listen, I totally uh, that that's her. I mean, I understand. But the problem is, then but, you're not sure when it really is true. You know, right? It's a little right, boy who right, right. wolf type thing. Where you're like, you're just like, oh, you're fat. And I'm you- like, but am I though? Because <laughs> there was times where I wasn't fat. And you called me fat, so now I don't know. Have you gone to the next notch on the belt yet? Uh, never, not that yet, not that yet. Thankfully, but. are you are you stretching the limits of the current notch to its fullest <laughs> form to avoid? No, no, it's time? definitely not that. It's it's just kind of like it's not like I've I've gained like massive amounts of weight. It's just you know a little sloppy. You, you know, you just know when it's like. You know, you're not well, tight. You know, you're you not know. tightened up. You know, you would know. I mean, you as as a man who's in <laughs> peak physical condition, uh, top peak physical condition, you, you would understand. You know, sometimes you get a little bit off track, and and you got to get yourself Absolutely. back on track. So, yeah, it's all about what you bring into the house, my friend. That's the key. You know, it's the discipline is during the grocery shopping, because once it's in the house, you're going to eat it. 
So the discipline is in the shopping. That's the key. Yeah, it's a real tough in the winter because in in, in, yeah. in like the spring or the summer, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm eating salads. I'm eating you know, but like, god damn, the fucking winter, man. Those aisles are just oh, that Christmas aisle is ridiculous. It's so dumb. Like the other day, I just bought like a pack of like just some bell. They were like Christmas bell gummies or so. I don't know what the hell they were, but I just like I was like I need to have these, and then I just ate. I basically ate them in like two days. No, you don't need that. You don't. I know. I know. I didn't. I knew. I did the entire time. I knew I didn't need it. You you got the bike set up. What you need now, you know, get some deal of meal cards and you know just have at it. You know, and just what discipline. What are deal of meal? Deal of meal cards. I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. No. No. What the hell is deal of meal cards? Well, Richard Simmons used to hawk them back in the nineties. <laughs> really? Okay. It's, it's the yeah. It, it was a card system with points. So based on what you ate, you had to pull a card that had X amount of points. Okay. And you so it's like a Weight Watchers system. You couldn't eat over a certain amount of points in a certain day, right? So you get the deal of meal cards. Google them. It's a real thing. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, seeing it. Yeah, deal of meal. They still sell them or what? Uh, it does not look like it. They they stopped in like 1994 <laughs> or something. So I don't know. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> Did they ever find Richard, Richard Simmons? Simmons? Is he still no, exiled? I, I was going to say, I think he still disappeared off the face of the Damn. earth, Richard yeah. Simmons. I think he's probably dead. I mean, what other explanation is there? Or he got fat, and it's like, that's going to destroy his image. Right. So he's he like bald and around. fat, and he's like, why can't be Richard Simmons and be bald and fat? Like, that's just, you know. Richard Simmons can't be a fatso. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that, that that wouldn't work. The thing about Richard Simmons, though, he was never in great he shape. Was never in, like, like today's, like, fitness instructors are, like, you know, goddesses. You know, they're, like, perfectly toned bodies and, you know, big muscles or they're cut or they look great. Yeah, Richard Simmons is, like, this, like, kind of portly. Like, I'm listening to you. You know, you're going to tell me yeah. about these. What are the deal of meals? And, and I'm supposed to listen to you? And like, you know, I don't know. You got like an afro and you're kind of chubby. So. Deal of meal cards, yeah. Like my body I mean, kind of looks like Richard Simmons right now, which is fine. Like that's okay. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I have higher hopes than that. Dancing to the oldies. Remember that, Richard Simmons? I don't because I wasn't alive. So You were definitely alive for dancing Dance, to the oldies. You think I was? I don't know. Wait, is that what it was called anyway? Dan- that might not even be it. Dance it. Dance it to- Hold on. I got to look this up now. Dancing to the oldies. I remember something about the oldies. I don't remember if it was dancing with the oldies or dancing to the oldies. It was sweating to the oldies. Sweating to the oldies. Right, 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 right. Yeah. See, you you knew what I was talking about. See, you try to play it off, but you know. You know, so it's, uh, what are we doing? We have so much to talk about. I just Googled that now. Were people really doing this in an attempt to lose weight, this this sweating to the oldies? If I remember correctly, they weren't even like very like intricate. You know, because like now they'll have like you're different, like your Roombas, you know, all those sort of like you know, or, or, or Zumba. I meant to say, not Roomba. That's that's the vacuum cleaner. But like they would have all these like cre- you know, and but like you watch the sweat of the oldies things. I do remember. I was, I was playing it off, but like they didn't really do much. <laughs> they just kind of like raise their hands back and forth sometimes and put their hands on their hips and like spun around. And I was like, I don't. Is this really like? Like I don't. Maybe you remember were there like success stories of like I lost a hundred pounds, sweating to the oldies. But like real ones, not like fake, you know. No, I no, not. Just. There's no way, right? Because like, you I mean, I'm watching it on YouTube right now. You're not losing any weight. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, yeah, maybe if you do it for three hours a day, you could eventually it's lose a horrendous weight. Horrendous workout. Yeah. That's a horrendous looking workout. Um. Well, that's 20 minutes in the books. Yeah, there you go. So people thought we were going to talk about Dick Allen, and so we talked about Richard Simmons. So there. We talked about we another Dick. We should talk Dick. about Dick Allen. Dick, Dick Allen is a, is a flagship icon. How can we not? How many times have we talked about Dick Allen on this show? At least seven Probably. times, yeah. To the point where, like, when he passed away, people were adding voices wrestling. <laughs> like, hey, Dick Allen passed yeah. away. So, um, 
Yeah, no, it, it's I, I don't know if you read uh, uh, Jay Jaffe did a really, really good piece on fan graphs uh, all about Dick Allen, which I think anybody who who he's, he's an old baseball player, by the way, Phillies, White Sox, a few other uh, spots as well, I think. But uh, we've talked about him before as a guy who probably should be in the Hall of Fame, but isn't in the Hall of Fame for a number of reasons. And and uh, after you read that Jay Jaffe piece uh, again, fangraphs.com, I think you'll you'll basically be like, fuck this dude. And, and the worst part, I don't know if you knew this part of the story, too, but it's just like heart wrenching is that this weekend. They were supposed to vote on like the era committee or whatever. I forget what the new name of the committee is. The but new it, gimmick they have. Yeah, it's I forget the name because I'm I'm a veteran. I came up in the veterans committee era, but now it's like the era committee, and there's like the modern era and the old, you know, whatever. So yeah. Sunday they were supposed to convene, and 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 Dick Allen was one vote away the last time they convened, like a few years ago. Yeah. So Sunday they were going to convene again, but because of COVID, they decided to to just wait until like February or March to do it. Yeah. So he died without he's, ever knowing if he was going to actually get in. He probably will get in this time too. So Oh, he's getting in. Yeah. The thing about Dick Allen is his numbers are like modern. They're more impressive viewed through a modern eye because he, he's very much a modern style player in terms of his strengths. High on base percentage. Led the league in OPS four times. Led the league in adjusted OPS three times. Led the league in walks. Led the league's on base. He doesn't have the counting stats because he only played 15 years. And in those 15 years, he only played like four or five full seasons Mm -hmm. because of injuries and everything else. So, you know, he only, you know, he he only had 7,000 at-bats. So he doesn't have those counting stats, which people emphasized, um, you know, when he was on the regular Hall of Fame ballot. 350 home runs, 1,100 RBIs, 1,800 hits. Nice numbers. But he doesn't have those auto numbers, the 400 home runs, the 2,000 RBIs, the 3,000 hits, because he didn't play long enough. And it's a shame because all the other numbers are there. Career mm-hmm. 378 on base. Yeah, that's fucking great. <laughs> that's I mean, awesome. You, you look at him on the sheet, he'd be he'd be considered one of the best players in baseball today based on the way players are evaluated today. Players weren't evaluated in that way during his day. But he still won an MVP. He still was rookie of the year. Uh, two eight-plus war seasons. Um, you know, he just he had a short career and didn't rack up those counting stats, and that's really what's killing him. But even outside of the rookie of the year, even 64 when he won rookie of the year, and what was it, 72, 72. 72. with the White Sox when he won MVP, he had, a, he had a year where he had 40 home runs, 110 RBIs, and hit, three, and hit 317 with a 396 on base. I mean, it, that's like his third best year. He slugged 632 that year and had OPS over 1,000. And that's like his, the third best season of his career. I mean, it's, it's just the guy was a, uh, an absolute beast. The other problem, too, a 70-war offensive player, but he was such a hack with the glove. He's terrible. Yeah, he's terrible in the field. That his total war is 58. So the best modern comp I could give that people might he's kind of like gary sheffield in a lot of ways yeah oh yeah and in, in both in, in in attitude and and you know relationship with the media yeah in, in a lot of sure. ways definitely gary sheffield one of my favorite players growing up too gary sheffield and sheffield too just an absolute beast at the plate didn't give a shit about uh you know you couldn't hide him in the field i mean started as a shortstop they moved him to third base they tried to hide him in the outfield and Sheffield kind of has the same deal like he's like an 80 war hitter and a 50 war player because he was such a hack with the glove all he cared about was hitting. But I, you know, and, and all the other reasons too, I think they're like perfect comps to one another. Yeah, I mean, Sheffield, for sure. Sheffield doesn't have the MVP or the rookie of the year or any of the, you know, uh, uh, awards or anything like that. But um, 
Yeah, it's just, you know, he's going to get in it, because as older voters die who valued the old ways of evaluation and newer voters get ballots and all those sorts of things. Well, I guess he's on this new committee thing. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and this committee, too, the, the, the way for people that follow, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame stuff, they, they did a similar thing with Ron Sano, too, where they just kind of always kept him on the outside looking in. And, and Sano, his case is a little bit different than, than, than Allen. I think Allen is a, is a no-doubter. Sano was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of on the fence. But they basically waited until he died and then said, okay, now you can go on to the ballot. So it's not like the same people, uh, but it, it's kind of following the same template there which again a guy who you know didn't really get along with a lot of other people didn't get along with a lot of his teammates didn't really get along with the media and and there was always this weird thing where it was like are they waiting for him to die to finally vote him in and, and that's what happened with sano uh and whether that was actually gonna happen with Allen or not we won't know but you know if he does go in i think a lot of people will point to that and be like ah now he's dead now you vote him in but but in actuality this committee thing only shows you know they only come together every four or five years or something like that so it, it, it's not quite the same as where sano they were just year by year leaving him out until he died and then putting him in Whereas, you know, Allen's got a little bit of a gap there, too. But uh, that the, the J.J. Jaffe piece that I mentioned, too, pointed out a lot of stuff about Allen that, that like, I didn't even know of, of kind of the racial um, issues that he had coming up in the league. I mean, he first guy that the Phillies desegregated with, which is, like, ridiculous when you consider. 19, 1963. Yeah. <laughs> the, Phillies, the Phillies were the last team. To, to enter, it, it's crazy. 1963. They're like, all right, fine. We'll get a black guy to play for us. It's like, oh my god, it's, like, it's insane. My dad was 13 years old when the Phillies finally decided, all right, fine. Yeah, Enough I mean, already. Crazy. You know, while the Pirates are winning World Series and shit with all their black players, and the Dodgers are racking up, they're like, no, nope, no, nope, we'll hold off. Like, oh, no way. I'm not gonna sign yeah. these black people to play baseball for us. Come on, it's just so ridiculous. And then uh, they talked about it as well. Um, going to Little Rock, Arkansas, and how he's like the first black player in Arkansas history like to ever play in Arkansas, like any form yeah. of baseball ever, and it's just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, And then like some, you know, uh, 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 some guy who, who really, I think it's like the either the governor or the mayor of, of, of Little Rock or the governor of Arkansas who was really anti-segregation throughout the first pitch in his like debut game, which is just like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like, like that's how his yeah. career starts of, of like, hey, we don't really want you here. And here's a guy that doesn't really want you here to throw out the first pitch. Yay. And it's like, okay, great. So yeah. Yeah. Really starts off came- on the right foot. And then he basically spends his entire career saying, hey, call me Dick. And they go, okay, Richie. And he goes, okay, well, I'd really prefer to be called Dick. And they went, yeah, we're going to call you Richie instead. So he just became Richie Allen for his entire career. Yeah. There's a lot of baseball cards where he's Richie Allen. <laughs> and he never wanted to be Richie Allen. He never <laughs> wanted to be called Richie Allen. So he just had this contemptuous relationship with uh, with with the media and, 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 and early on with fans, although later on that, you know, I heard a long interview with Mike Schmidt who, who played with him. Uh, for a couple of years and his second stint with the Phillies, mm-hmm. the seventies. The and, you know, he said later on that all, you know, was repaired by then. And he had a better relationship with fans, at least by then, but um, never really got along with the media. And of course that hurt him. I think if he was on the regular hall of fame ballot now, because of the younger voters and the way they evaluate players, I think he'd probably get in based on his numbers. Um, but his buddies are going to put him in anyway. It just sucks that the guy is going to, it's going to end up that, just when are they voting on this in a week or something like it's coming they were up supposed soon, to be right? but now it's going to be in like february um okay he's yeah just gonna so it was supposed to be it was supposed to be this weekend well you know actually the day that he died i think um it was supposed to be or, or the day after he died uh but now yeah now it's going to be in february or something cool. so schmidt the last time he saw him schmidt said he was in a wheelchair and he's in real bad shape couldn't stand up it was hard to speak so he had some kind of cancer that really just uh you know took it out of him i think he was 78 
But um, yeah, he broke he, rookie of the year sixty four, broke in sixty three. That sixty three Phillies team. This is just shit that only I would bring up. Had a pitcher named by the name of Cal McClish. You familiar with Cal McClish? I know nothing Cal about Cal McClish. Yeah, halfway halfway decent pitcher, long time pitcher. He was a veteran on that Philly on that sixty three Phillies team. But this is what's interesting to me. Cal McClish was on the forty four Dodgers. Not a good team. Um, he came up as an eighteen year old because those were the war years. So you had guys coming up in their teens, but you also had older players sticking around. So also on that forty four Dodger team with Cal McClish was Paul Wayner. Big Poison, who had a brother, Lloyd Wayner, who they called Little Poison. Those guys played for the Pirates in the 20s. <laughs> and, and, and Paul Wayner is like a you know, Hall of Fame player, one of the greatest Pirates of all time. So Dick Allen is one degree of separation from Paul Wayner. It's just crazy when you look at things like that. We're, it's like we're talking. The Phillies not being segregated you know, until 1963. And then this guy is only one degree of separation from a guy who was a star in the fucking 20s for the Pirates because Paul Wayner was still hanging around in 1944, uh, you know, during the war years because you needed players. So, you know, all the young players were, you know, um, uh, fighting the war. So you had a lot of teenagers and you had a lot of guys in their 40s who were still hanging around. Um, And the other thing that hurts Allen is, I mean, the guys he came up with, a lot of the guys he came up with played forever. Nolan Ryan came up in like 66. <laughs> yeah, played until 93 or whatever. Played to the 90s. You know, Pete Rose was the was the rookie of the year the year before Allen, and he played until 1986. So it's like, you know, uh, Allen was effectively done as a legitimate player in probably 75 or 76 and out of the league by 78. So, you know, he was a great player. His career just didn't last as long as a lot of his contemporaries. So... A lot of people don't know the name. Like a lot of people listening who are bored out of their minds right now, they know who Nolan Ryan and Pete Rose are. They have no clue who Dick Allen is. Not a clue, probably. You know, if you're not, unless you're a baseball fan, uh, you know, is is yeah, the short career. Uh, yeah, we've talked about him a million times, and then you know, we, we always talk about. I don't know how he comes up, but he came up a million times over <laughs> the years. No clue the either. Yeah, it's so weird. And, and, you know, it's just and like you're saying, people are tagging us with the news that he died, that we, we, we've talked about him so often. But um, anyway, I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. His buddies are going to put him in. He deserves it anyway. He's not one of these guys who's backdooring it. I mean, this is correcting mistakes of the past. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of those big numbers he put up, this is not an offense-heavy era that he played in. I mean, um, the opposite, in fact. So you look at his numbers and they look impressive and they're even more impressive when you put them in the context of his era. But I was trying to, uh, as you were talking, there, I was trying to, I was hoping and praying that Paul Wayner played with Honus Wagner so we could do like three degrees of separation to get all the way to the 1800s. But uh, uh, he came two years after Honus Wagner retired, unfortunately. So when was Wayner's rookie year? Wayner or three years. Sorry. Wayner's rookie year is 27. Oh, actually, no, I know. Hold on. We're about a decade. We're a decade. Of no, 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 not 27. 27 was his rookie year. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Uh, but Honus was done in 1917, unfortunately, so that's going to be tough to... Take a look at those Paul Wayner numbers. I am. Yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. Pretty, not, right. not bad. He's no Big Ed Delahanty, but few are. <laughs> but, yeah, who is? Uh, <laughs> you know Big Ed Delahanty, you know how he died? Got Something mob-related, I was going to say. He got drunk no. or mob-related, so... He got drunk and fell off the back of a train going to the next town for the next game. Jeez. So, uh, into a river. He's also a Hall of Famer. You know <laughs> it's not, anything it's about not the worst way to go, if you think about it. Not the worst way to go. I mean, that's how guys died back then. They either got in knife fights or got drunk or, like, caught syphilis and, and died of syphilis. 
Um, but Ed, Ed, Big Ed Delahanty, great player. Had a bunch of brothers who played too. I think Frank, Jim, Tom, and Joe. But Ed was the best of the bunch. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, also played for the uh, Philadelphia National League team. I don't know if they were the Phillies then because uh, we're talking about the 1800s now, post-Civil War. But Ed Delahanty, maybe the best player you've never heard of. Look, Are you looking at his numbers? Uh, I am, yeah. I am doing it right now. And, and they're An pretty, absolute uh, beast. Pretty solid. He definitely looks like a guy who got drunk and fell off a, a, a train, though, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah, there's some pretty damn good numbers there. Uh, a lot of good doubles. Yeah, I like those OPS pluses. Those are pretty nice. Oh yeah, guy. You know, one of the preeminent hitters of the uh, of the late 1800s, Rich. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, <laughs> 1890s. <laughs> Which honestly, you know? I mean, if you're saying 1895, not really a slugger's paradise there for the. Uh, uh, they were the Phillies. I think they were the Phillies. I want to say starting in because they were they were the Athletics for a little while too, or they were the Quakers for a bit too. I remember, but uh, I forget when they exactly became the Phillies. I think somewhere in 1891 or 90, 1890 or something like that. So, um, I think he was playing for the Senators when he fell off the train. And uh, fell to his demise, I think, in a river. I think he drowned in a river. Um, I'm looking it up now. It looks like he died in Niagara Falls, Canada, July 2nd, 1903. Did he fall into the, the, the Niagara Falls? or What were they doing up there? Was he – maybe he was playing – well, no, he, put, he was playing for the Senators in 1903, and he died in the middle of the season. Oh, you want to read so. the story? This is awesome here. Ready Go for, for it. I, I, it's a good one. Go ahead. All right. So Delante died while he was swept over Niagara Falls in early July 1903. He was apparently kicked off a train by the train's conductor for being drunk and disorderly. The conductor said Delahaney uh, was brandishing a straight razor and threatening passengers after he consumed five whiskeys. Uh, after being yeah. kicked off the train, Delahaney made his way across the International Railway Bridge connecting Buffalo and Fort Erie and fell or jumped off the bridge. Uh, some accounts say Delaney was yelling about death that night. Uh, whether Delaney died from his uh, plunge over the falls or drowned on his way to the falls is uncertain. His body was found at the bottom of Niagara Falls two weeks after his death. Awesome. That's a great Just way to go. A- what a great way to go. Just go on in a blaze of glory, you know? And Rich, say it with me. Delahanty. Delahanty, sorry. Big Ed Delahanty. Big Ed. You got to throw the big in there. Official nickname. Yeah. Gets drunk on the train, starts brandishing a weapon. <laughs> Five whiskeys apparently is enough to five whiskeys. five whiskeys is enough to try to stab people and then kill yourself apparently. So there you go. <laughs> it dies going over Niagara Falls. I mean, that's how you want to go out if you're going to go out at 35 in the middle of a Hall of Fame baseball career. Um, yeah, love that story. There's a lot like those. That's that's the only one we'll tell today. But I love these guys who were like, he was 28 and he was one of the best players in the league and he died of syphilis. He he had a uh, he had the uh, he had passions of the flesh. That he just couldn't control, and uh, he swung his unprotected dick around too much, and he died of gonorrhea. Like those are real. You see them all the time oh, yeah, from yeah, that era. Yeah. Um, or just drunkards. They get in fights with their wives, and their wives just clock them in the back of the head with like a a frying pan or something. And then an they iron. Just I was gonna out. say an iron. You know that they have to heat up on the stove. <laughs> a classic. Yeah. <laughs> like you couldn't call nine one one in eighteen ninety three, so they just bleed out. You know, and 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 die when they get into domestic disputes. There's tons of stories like that. I don't know if any will top Big Ed Delahanty, you know, going over Niagara Falls, half in the bag, five whiskeys. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> brandishing a knife at the conductor. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. 
you know? Oh God. Yeah. Anyway. Old baseball stories are, yeah. Glory of the game. Uh, um, uh, the, you know, Ken Burns baseball or glory of their times, right? Isn't it that the name of the, uh, glory of their times, which I read every year. Yeah. That is, period. that is like the yeah. best book. If you want to read these stories, if you found that story funny, that book has literally got a hundred of those. <laughs> like you're saying of like, yeah, this guy was good. And then he, you know, he did this or, you know, Rube Mark Marquardt, who they had to, you know, stop from chasing train uh, or no, even he, he would chase after fire engines during the middle of a game. Like he'd be pitching, yeah. and then he'd hear the fire engine. You go run to him, and they're like, "Rube, you gotta stay and play the game." And he just really badly wanted to like see what was going on with the fire, and he was just distracted by the the, the sound of you know, the fire sirens or whatever. So they had to say, yeah. they had to like put the earplugs in him so that he wouldn't hear fire, you know. And then they had to tell you know like the the the, the you know nearby fire departments, "Hey, don't drive by the stadium if you're gonna go to a yeah. fire because we need Rube to pitch for us because he's gets way too distracted by the fires." So, um, yeah. Just incredible. Or guys would get or guys would get shanked under the bleachers by their bookie if they didn't pay off their debts. I mean, it's just a crazy time. I mean, that book's great because the author, what he did is he went around the country and talked to all these aging players who were in their seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. But he did this in the nineteen sixties. So it's all stories about guys who played in like nineteen ten or eighteen ninety, and they're all old and they're and they're they're curmudgeons. And there's great quotes. It's like some of like there it was like twenty stories in the book, at least ten of them. Uh, the player takes a shot at modern players and they'll be like, ah, Willie Mays, he makes too much money. These modern players, they're overpaid. Mickey Mantle with his $75,000 a year. There's no glory in the game anymore. And it just goes to show times never change, you know, because now that generation of players claim that these guys today make too much money. And as a result, uh, you know, they don't care and they're not as good. But it's the same thing in wrestling, you know. Uh, the last generation thinks the new generation can't work, and 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 so it goes. It'll yeah. never end. Can't sell too many moves. Don't know how to yep. work. Yeah, <laughs> just Same every theory. every year, every every twenty years, it just gets recycled and recycled. And this generation will say the same thing about the next generation too. So R- Ricochet will be in a nursing home saying that guys are doing too many high spots. Yeah, I mean, right, right. It's the way it goes, you know. Got a lot to get to here. Let's Rich. yeah, let's get to it. All right, so we talked Rube Marquardt. We've talked Dick Allen. We've talked. Skittles slash M&Ms, but uh, let's now talk about Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling. So uh, we had talked about this uh, appearance happening. We talked about AEW Winters coming, obviously, last week. Uh, then on the show last week, we kind of t- talked about, you know, what we thought of the angle. If we had kind of, you know, it, 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 after 24 hours later, did we, you know, did we think differently about it? Like, I think I was a little bit more into it than you were. You were a little bit more down on it, a little bit more negative. Uh, and it was all leading up to this week where we were going to see Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling. Of course, we have no idea what we're recording this as Dynamite's going on. So, again, <laughs> just so people know, and we're not, we're not intentionally ignoring whatever he does on Dynamite. We have no clue. Uh, but we know the Impact Wrestling. We watched it uh, last night. You and I both saw it. And I'm assuming most people listen to this saw it. We'll talk about that. It seems a lot of people saw it as well. Uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts on, on on Kenny Omega's appearance at Impact Wrestling? And if you are now a little bit more, not necessarily on my side, but are you a little bit more positive about this angle than you were maybe right after Winter is Coming? I'm coming around on it. Um, The more time passes, the less annoyed I am you know, with the manner that he, that he won the title. We don't need to go down that road again, but, um, you know, clearly this angle and his appearance on impact is a huge win for impact. And we knew it would be, you know, we knew that they were going to increase viewership, particularly among younger people. That's exactly how it played out. I mean, this was, you know, the numbers are just staggering for how well impacted last night. There was a palpable buzz on social media and among wrestling fans. And you just knew it was a big night. 
And, you know, uh, probably just as important, I thought the two or three AEW adjacent sort of segments or, or things that they did on the show were all very good, um, which was important. I thought Don Callis' promo was as good as it gets in modern pro wrestling. And I thought uh, Kenny Omega did a great job as well. They, uh, they got over the story. They explained the motivations perfectly. And they set you up for whatever's going to happen uh, live as we, as we speak tonight, as Impact is on right now. Um, so the promos were great. The explanation was great. Um, they, they laid out the story. I thought the paid advertisement with Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone was just, that was great. I mean, it just puts a smile on your face, you know, and, and, and what was important about that is it wasn't just a bit meant to make you laugh. Tony Khan filled logic gaps Mm -hmm. with that paid advertisement deal because, you know, he, he laid out the reasoning of why Kenny Omega is allowed to appear on impact to begin with. He said, Hey, look, I could have shut this down. I could have filed an injunction. I could have kept him from coming to this show. But I'm not going to do that. And those kind of little logic gaps that a lot of you know pro wrestling promoters or bookers today don't bother with or think about or care about, Tony Khan does. So uh, that was a very smart way to fill that uh, uh, logic hole. And then you know all of the the passive aggressive shots that they took at Impact. I love that kind of shit. I mean, I say this all the time. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a smart came up on ECW where they did shit like that on every episode of TV. I love promotions taking shots at each other. I love wrestlers taking shots at each other. That shit is fun. If you don't like that, you're a nerd. You're an absolute fucking nerd if you can't get into that shit. Um, and, and I thought that passive-aggressive stuff that they did was uh, very entertaining. Um, yeah, stuff with Shivani in particular, where, where Tony Khan goes, hey, you worked for TNA for a little bit. He goes, yeah, one night, and then I retired for 18 years or whatever. And Tony oh, Khan went, a, well, that yeah. sucks, but hey, I'm glad to have you back now, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm glad I got you back in the fold. So uh, just yeah, a nice little yeah. line, a throwaway line that really doesn't mean anything in, in the grand scheme of things, but a nice little touch there to say, hey, you know what? This guy did, and it's not it's not fault. And that's the, the key with those little pot shots and those little digs is that you need to, they need to be rooted in reality. And, like, that's the yeah. truth. You know what I mean? Like, you go look. Like, Tony did one night, and then he fucking bounced, and he didn't do wrestling again for, for you know, almost two decades. So it, that's what makes it even that much better, the pot shots that are, 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 are rooted in some amount of reality uh, as well. Even if Tony Schiavone really, truly didn't, like, doesn't harbor any ill will towards TNA, it's just being able to kind of play that up is, is yeah, I'm, I'm with you, too. I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so I thought that was excellent. Uh, well, I have no one thing I want to point out too, and, and, and again, people kind of forget about it because you know modern wrestling just kind of does ah whatever, who cares? We don't need logic, we don't need any sort of stuff like that. But you know the idea that the entire time that those two guys are talking, it goes, "This is a paid advertisement from All Elite Wrestling," which yes. again, most people just might ignore. But like, you go back to one of the most famous sort of invasion angles ever, the NWO. The only way that the NWO appeared on Nitro is by those ads. They used to say this advertisement is paid for by the New World Order, and that's why they would appear. Or, you know, finally they eventually had to say, okay, we're going to sign you guys because then WWE came and sued them or whatever. But the early NWOs, like, they came out from the crowd. They came out when they bought tickets. And when they appeared on the show, it was because it was a paid advertisement. That Hulk Hogan had the money to pay for them to appear on the show. And then eventually later on, they just kind of said, ah, fuck it, who cares? And the NWO was just a part of the normal show. But the key was in that original, and they thought of it too. And the original thing is like, no, they can't just have these guys come down from the ring, you, you know, with their music or whatever. No, it, 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 it's paid advertisements. They're paying to have this, this TV spot and we're, and we're accepting their money. 
you know, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, we're, we're taking the money. And, and Tony mentioned that as well. He goes, well, you know what? You know, they, they, they like money around here. You know, I can pay for it. So I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay to have this advertisement and I'll pay to do that. Like just little stuff like that. I really enjoy it. Just thinking about it. You, you know, like, and, and that's all I really ask from, from wrestling is just, just go, put a little thought into it, put a little care into it and go that extra mile and do some of these little things that are going to make, you know, pop. Maybe they'll only pop people like you and me and, 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 and people that listen to this show, but you know, it's, it costs you absolutely nothing to do it. And, 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 and the payoff to me is, is, is pretty profound. I don't even think it was super inside. I mean, no. Khan just, Khan just snidely said, you know, we've got great main events tomorrow night and then ran down his card. And he said, I hear they have tag teams here, but I have the best tag team in the world. And he talked about the bucks and the Tony Schiavone thing. You don't need to be some kind of insider smart to understand that the joke there was Tony Schiavone worked in impact one day and it was so bad. He disappeared for two decades. That's the, you know, anyone can understand that joke. It's not like they went super deep into, uh, you don't have to be a newsletter reader to understand what they were doing last night either. So, yeah, they didn't bring up um, sex. Wasn't he a member of sex in those days? I, I don't, I don't uh, even, I don't remember. Yeah, Garrett Kidney would, Garrett Kidney would know since, uh, I don't know, I don't I know what that guy's even doing these days because Wednesday but, uh, War Games on hiatus now. So, I don't know what the fuck Garrett's doing with his free time, but yeah, I don't know. Just fucking off playing video games. Or <laughs> Probably him and him and Harrington, him and Mookie Ghana. I don't know what those. Guys are doing. They're yeah. they're you know they're all in, and then all of a sudden they're just you know they're gone. So they just know. disappear. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Thin air. Um, so whatever. So basically, what you're saying is what Khan did here, and what they did with the NWO early on, is exactly what WWE isn't doing with Retribution. That's basically what you said. Yeah. Oh my God, Retribution. <laughs> I forget that they're even a thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So. um so anyway, let's well, talk about th- that's business. not true because the camera does shake more when they're there. So um I mean I yeah. <laughs> clearly there's something afoot there. So there's something afoot, yes. <laughs> right. Even though these people are are signed to contracts. <laughs> yeah. And their mask, I love uh um, was it a few weeks ago where Mia Yim's mask fell off or whatever the fuck, reckoning. And they're like, Who is that? Who is, is that reckoning's face? And it's like Yeah. Like you called NXT matches. You have Samoa Joe being like, ah, oh, who is that? Just say it's me. You know what I mean? Like how completely ridiculous. idiotic. And that's yeah. the point of the angle too. The other part that's infuriating is and, and correct me if I'm wrong at any point, because you you are an avid weekly WWE Monday Night Raw watcher. Um, I, that's actually true. <laughs> that's I mean, I watch, sadly true, but I watch uh, it every week. So the idea is that retribution are NXT people that are upset about their spots, right? I don't know specifically NXT people, but yeah. They're supposed to be like wrestlers in the fold that are upset about their spots. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't address that they are actually people. Like, we can't say that Dijak is, is, you know, slapdick or whatever. We can't say that Reckoning is Mia Yim, even when her mask falls off. And we go, oh my God, Reckoning's face. We see Reckoning's face for the first time ever. But wouldn't it be more impactful if you said, that's Mia Yim. She was from NXT and she got pissed. So now she's in Retribution. Right. Okay. You got it. (laughs) Joe, I want you to explain the logic of one Vince McMahon, please, right now. That I can't do. I can't help you with that. Um, There is none. Uh, it, it's to, it's to just, well, what do we do? I don't even want to talk about retribution because that's no, going to yeah, get me on an Ali rant. Just don't, we got enough, to, uh, enough to talk about. We have, we have ricochet angry at retribution. So instead of like getting ricochet versus Ali, we get ricochet and Dana Brooke versus <laughs> reckoning and fucking rusty trombone or whatever the other guy's name is. Okay. That's what we got on raw the other night. <laughs> and um, Dana Brooke got the pinfall. <laughs> and Dana Brooke scores the pinfall. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what ricochet is up to these days. He's better off on main event. 
but maybe while it'll Ali lead to scre- a while Ali screams, you should join, join us, join us. And everyone's just totally going to join them, too, which is the best part about it, too. He just beat oh, them. Yeah. And he's screaming, join us. And he's like, no, I just beat you. And you guys always lose. Why would I join you? But he's definitely going to join him. So awesome. you would think it would lead to a match between the two. But no, he's just going to join him. You know, he's just going to join him. Um, anyway, let's talk about the business side of this impact appearance. Pretty staggering numbers, Rich. Um, the Twitch stream landed anywhere between 50 and 55,000 viewers at the peak. Uh, now, you need context, obviously, to understand that number. In a normal week, the Impact Twitch stream does anywhere from 800 to 3,000 views is where it peaks at. So um, you're talking about statistically insignificant numbers of viewers in a normal week to uh, 50 to 55,000 this week, which is just a uh, staggering increase in interest. And then uh, last week, of course, Impact on Access did 166,000 viewers. This week, the numbers are just in. 221,000 viewers this week. They went from a 0.05 in the key demo to a 0.08. So a 33% increase in total viewers and a 60% increase in the younger demo. We all knew this that Kenny Omega was going to do uh, you know, uh, uh, big increases for them in the younger demo, but a 60% increase in 18 to 49. Because Impact tends to have older viewers, uh, similar to Raw and SmackDown. Um, all told, last week, impacted roughly 170,000 viewers when you combine the 166 on Axis and let's be generous and give them 3,000 on the Twitch stream. So about, and then throw another 1,000 in just so we're working with round numbers. They did about 170,000 total viewers last week. Uh, this week, with the, uh, you, we'll estimate low end and say 50,000 on the Twitch stream, even though it peaked a little higher than that, 221,000 on TV. 271,000 viewers this week for an increase of just a little over 100,000 viewers for Impact this week versus last week. And oh, by the way, they have a pay-per-view this weekend. So just to show you how perfectly timed all of this was and everything else. So they added 100,000 viewers uh, just in time to uh, to plug their pay-per-view. I don't know how much business that's going to equal in terms of increased pay-per-view buys or whatnot. Probably not much. The one thing that Impact has always struggled with historically is converting viewers into paying customers in any form. Buying tickets, buying pay-per-views, buying merch. That's always been the struggle of Impact. Even when they've been able to get a lot of people to watch, mm-hmm. they can never get a lot of people to spend money. Yeah, even in the spike so, days when they're when they're you know two two to three million people watching it, there'd be you know fifty thousand people buying pay-per-views or ten thousand people buying pay-per-views. It was staggering right. some of those numbers back in the day. With millions of people watching the TV, they just their, their conversion rates are, are, for whatever reason, among the lowest in the industry. So, okay, so AEW does 100,000 pay-per-view buys on average, and they do about between 750 and 900,000 television viewers. So that's over 10% conversion rate, but let's be fair about this. We know that a million people a week watch AEW in total when you factor in DVRs or whatnot. So just to make our math simple, Let's say that AEW has a 10% conversion rate. That's fair, right? You know, 100,000 versus, let's call it a million viewers. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to make these, this exercise a little easier. So assuming that Impact doesn't have nearly, because AEW happens to have a very high conversion rate uh, compared to other people in the industry because their fans are more loyal and that sort of thing. So let's cut it in half and go with a 5% conversion rate. But then let's cut that, that, that would equal 
5,000 additional pay-per-view buys, if my math is right, right? 100,000 extra viewers. What's 5% of 100,000? 5,000, right? I'm yeah. not wrong about that. I think so. Yeah, don't, don't ask me. I'm the worst person in the world to ask that question to. But yeah, I believe you're, I believe you're correct. But I don't even think it would be 5% because you have to consider that a, a vast majority of those 100,000 viewers are just AEW fans stopping in to see Kenny, and they weren't going to buy an Impact pay-per-view unless it was announced that Kenny Omega was wrestling on the pay-per-view. Okay, let's be honest. So maybe cut that in half to maybe 2.5%. Um, do you think Impact has added 2,500 pay-per-view buys, or do you still think that's too high? I still think that's too high. And, and, and that's it's not because of Kenny Omega, and it's not because of AEW. It's it's because of a lot of things. And I guess you know we, we can get to that uh, pretty shortly here. But you know this episode of Impact, this is an episode of Impact that a lot of new people are going to watch. You just you know talked about a lot of the numbers there. Uh, real quickly, uh, I was you know scanning their YouTube page uh, as well. I have no context for like the numbers prior to this, but over the last you know week, they've added like two thousand subscribers to their YouTube page almost daily, which is is, is pretty awesome. Uh, the views themselves, the actual so there, there's an entire uh, eleven minute clip that they have on their Impact you know YouTube page that's the whole Kenny Omega segment, the whole Don Callis and Kenny Omega segment that at this at the time of this recording has two hundred ninety three thousand views. The uh, next video, the shocking finish as Moose and Chris Bay join forces. That is twenty-seven thousand views. So, uh, roughly two hundred thousand more views uh, for the Kenny thing. Uh, Eddie Edwards explodes on Sammy Callahan. That has thirty-three thousand views. The full episode of this week's Impact, two hundred thirty-one thousand. Um, there's a video a little bit later down. What is Kenny Omega doing in Impact Wrestling? That has one hundred sixty-four thousand views. Uh, which you know, in in contrast to Eric Young dismantles Cody Deaner again. Uh, that has eighteen thousand views. So yeah, he's blowing the doors off. Uh, uh the view wise, uh, as well, particularly the full episode at, at two hundred thirty-one thousand, and uh, the actual you know segment, the whole segment itself. Uh, that's not like all-time great for Impact. Um, a lot of their all-time greats are. Uh, I mean, and, and this is like this YouTube channel's been around forever you know for 14 years at this point uh it's pretty horny the the you know the top 30 <laughs> impact videos as most you know wrestling companies uh, uh youtube pages will uh will usually do so yeah it's it's got a long way to go to beat out uh the knockouts evening out match uh, between madison rain and i don't know i can't see who the the madison rain and angelina love that has 159 million views 159 million people have gotten horny watching madison rain uh versus angelina, uh, angelina love in an evening gone match so congratulations to them so but your boy, I, I should I should put your boy is in second. Eddie Edwards versus Davey Richards. Street fight. 92 million. Well, I mean, it just goes to show Davey Richards belongs back in the business. There's no question about it. I mean, now, obviously the thumbnail is a uh, what appears to be a shirtless Angelina Love, which you can't. I mean, she's obviously just wearing like a. Uh, some sort of top that that, and then Davey Richards is very close to her, like sniffing her, basically. So that is not actually what the context of the match is. I think the match is actually legitimately a street fight, but uh, um, I'm not saying I don't that, that would make your... people. Yeah, you're right. It, it's because Davey Richards is fucking incredible, and everybody needs to bring him back immediately. So. I don't want to hear your hokey excuses. All I know is that Davey Richards match drew. <laughs> right. All that matters. Um, yeah. Look, YouTube views are fine and all that, and I I, I get that, but um, I'm far more interested in people who bothered watching the show itself sure you know because that's the goal here more so than popping a nice youtube number and then from there the whole point of getting people to watch the show is to is to get some money out of these people right and and i guess just trying to figure how many pay-per-view buys they potentially added because i agree with you even drilling it down to maybe 2.5 percent conversion i think it's even lower than that um you know, you know, I think people watched the show. I think it was mostly enjoyable. I thought the AEW related segments were very enjoyable, but um, 
you know, I don't think people have they added a thousand no purchases to impact plus or or the, the paper i just don't and and that's one of the issues that i've had with impact for a long time i've had it, it really this entire year uh a lot of times during the pandemic as well is that the big issue that i have with impact is every time i watch it and i watch it pretty frequently like you and i watch it i i think probably more than most you know wrestling podcasts uh do do these days and we don't really talk about it that much sometimes we'll watch it and just not even bring it up or you know even there was a time you know a few months ago where we were talking about it pretty regularly and then you had to kind of fall off because it was just not quite clicking for you and i get it the 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 problem that i have with impact and 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 it was abundantly clear you know with last night's show too is like i'm 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 kind of trying to think of okay i'm the i'm a first time viewer of impact i have never seen i haven't seen impact since the days of you know samoa joe and and kurt angle and sting and like and there were people in our mentions when you know when we asked hey are you gonna watch impact this week you know there were people saying yeah i haven't watched it since you know 2009 or i haven't watched it since 2008 like there are a lot of those fans i think that that maybe used to watch impact that that came back to it and one of the issues that i have with impact and 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 I just I it's 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 kind of unexplainable and I'd like to kind of talk it through here uh with you is I just never know what type of fan impact is trying to get. Wh- who is the fan that 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 is being hooked by impact? Who is the type of fan that that you know will watch this episode for the first time in 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 ever or the first time in 10 years and go wow. This is a I need to watch this every single week. Every single Tuesday now I know what I'm doing every night. I'm watching Access TV or I'm watching Twitch or whatever because I'm going to watch Impact Wrestling every single week. I just I don't know what they are trying to accomplish with that TV show. There there are a lot of things and there are no things. They're, they're, they're very much try to be the reality show thing that WWE is, but I they really don't appeal to any one niche in any way, shape, or form that I would really consider, you know, it. I guess if you really want to hook like fans that like WWE but like it done worse, I guess... Or, or, or done with people they don't recognize. I guess that's the hook. I guess that's the type of fan. But like you know, your pure wrestling fans. You say your 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 technical wrestling fans. There's there's a lot there. There's Impact does have some of that, but they're not all the way that. It, it, they're not the greatest you know technically wrestling company in the world. There's there's other places you can go. There's some good high flyers on Impact, but they're not enough to. They're, they're not the best high flyers. You know what I mean? They're not the 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 best high flying promotion. And then they have vignettes and stories and that sort of stuff. And they're okay at that. But, you know, I don't know. Like, if you're a WWE viewer, I think you'd probably just stick with WWE in the way that they produce, you know, the backstage vignettes and those sort of things. And, you know, some stuff that Impact does is very sports-based. Some stuff they do is who shot Johnny Bravo. It's it's too much. And you talk about all the time of trying to serve so many masters and you end up serving none. And that's really what I get from Impact every single week. And and so when you ask the question of how many people did they really convert into Impact Plus, you know, subscribers or, or, or buys or whatever, I mean, I'd be surprised if it's more than 500. I'd be surprised if it's more than 200. I, I just I don't understand. I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll find out when this pay-per-view comes. But I just cannot imagine if you had never watched Impact or you hadn't watched Impact in years that you would watch that episode and go, oh, my God, this Saturday there's a pay-per-view and I need to watch it. I, I just I don't know. I don't know who that would hook. I think the number's small as well. I think there's probably they've probably added a few, um, but I think the number's small. So the other benefit would be how many of these viewers can you keep? You know, how many people will be back for the Twitch stream next week? Which again, usually does statistically insignificant numbers. You know, if there's fifteen hundred people watching a Twitch, it doesn't it means nothing. It may as well be zero. Now, there's 50,000 people watching like last night. That's significant. They were the number three channel on Twitch all night last night. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another little nugget. How do you like this one? Impact last night beat NXT in males 18 to 34. That's so bad. That's so that, bad. Again, that's, that's the Omega effect. I mean, we knew he was going to draw younger viewers. 
um, because he was going to draw AEW viewers and they skew younger than your impact or your uh, WWE viewers. So we knew that was going to happen. I mean, it says now they barely edged him out 0.05 to 0.04. And NXT, as I talked about on the reviews, and I think we may have talked about as well last week, just had an epically awful week in terms of young viewers last week. They got destroyed by that, you know, winter is coming dynamite. So that 0.04 is, is lower than they usually do, but still, you know, that's the Omega effect. He's out here beating NXT and demos on two different shows now. Um, but yeah, unquestionably a massive success uh, in terms of drawing viewers. This is the, you know, what they were hoping for uh, when they announced that they'd be bringing Kenny Omega on the show. Uh, Omega's a certified star. Can we please put this in the rear view now that this guy in some way, shape, or form isn't a star anymore? Or yeah, you, you, like you usually like uh, sometimes when we have these conversations, these things that we're so obviously right about, eventually you just say, I'm going to stop wasting time talking about it because if you're yeah. on the other side, you're just wrong and, and you're stupid and you're not worth my time. Uh, that might be time to do that with the Kenny Omega thing. So, I mean, you really need to stop with this. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, they don't treat him like a star. He's not presented like a star. He's not a star. I mean, I, I, think I smashed at the bits with the Hall of Fame argument and, and just uh, behind the paywall every week on the reviews. But I mean, now look, look at the number he popped for this for this fucking show. I mean, it went from zero people watching the Twitch stream, because let's be honest, it's essentially zero people to 55,000 people watching it, which is one third of their usual total audience. He drew one third of their <laughs> usual total audience on the Twitch stream. I mean, come on. Uh, the guy's a major star and he never ceased being a major star. So, um, you know, big winning night for Omega, big winning night for Impact. The this 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 storyline, this angle rolls on. I get the sense that Dynamite is a hot show tonight. But again, we're watching live. I did watch the segment with Sting. Wait till you watch this, Rich. I mean, <laughs> it just felt big. It felt big. Sting did a face-to-face promo with Cody. In case you don't know, because I know okay. you were yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm clueless as to what's going on in AEW right now. Actually, so. he came across like a major star in all the right ways. In all the right ways, his promo was good. It had a buzz and an aura to it. And I'm just watching this, and I'm thinking, um, yeah, this was absolutely the right move. I mean, there's no question. He's a. It's impossible to argue that at this point that he's a negative for the company. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's. He just came, it came across like a segment that was a huge deal. And, um, and you know, he, he, it just, you'll see when you watch it. Uh, you know, that's really the only thing I've seen off the show so far. But, um, but yeah, it feels like, you know, and then they had Shaq on the show tonight. Dynamite feels like it's gaining momentum here. And that's the whole idea behind the things they've been doing over the last two or three weeks. Gain some momentum, pick up some steam. And get to that December, because I think December 30th is the next big television special they're doing. And, uh, you know, that's, that's ready. That's only 20 days from now, mm-hmm. three weeks right, from right. now. So build up some momentum, momentum for that show and see if you can keep it going. See where this impact thing goes. They did tease Rich Swan, Kenny Omega as a potential deal. Um, again, the show's happening as we speak. Actually, did it just end? I don't know. But, um, yeah, it just ended. Did they do any? Let's see if they did any kind of big angle tonight at the end of the show. Um, really not seeing anything. Yeah, so. not either. I'll, I'll refresh Twitter um, as, as, while we're still talking about this, but yeah, I don't see anything huge right now. So we'll see if they can keep this momentum going. And and obviously, the impact Twitch number, the impact Twitch number was the first indicator that this thing was was big for impact. 
their television number came in tonight, and that was a big success for them. But the biggest indicator of all is going to be the dynamite number tomorrow in terms of how much Sting means and how much um, this angle with Kenny Omega means and the Sting segment. And, you know, we had the minute by minutes last week. Every minute of Sting's debut last week did over a million viewers. So there was huge interest in Sting, and we talked about it last week. Did that sustain into this week? So we'll have to see what his segment with Cody did. They opened the show with the Young Bucks, and I think quarter hour two was uh, the Sting-Cody segment. So um, I'm sure the Young Bucks did well in quarter hour one. They always do. So we'll see if that Sting segment grew on the Young Bucks audience um, you know, or, or held flat. We'll have to see. It's, it's going to be a big number t- tomorrow to determine um, in reality how much people are into all of these things, but it's exciting times. Last night felt exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I, you know, we were able to get screeners or, you know, well, I was at least, I guess your email got lost in the mail, but like, yeah, mine got lost. Yeah, myself. but like, you know, being able to be the first one and people are like, oh, what happened? Tell me. And I'm like, oh, I can't tell. You know, it felt like it was really cool. Like, like people that, you know, weren't, don't usually care about that stuff. I was like, oh, wow, just finished Impact. And then my DMs are just like, oh, tell me what happened. <laughs> like, I won't tell anybody. I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, it was it was really fun to just have that moment where it was like, yeah, people, it, 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 it there was a palpable buzz uh, to it. There was an idea of like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? And that's, I guess that's my little bit of a worry from what I saw from Impact. Because I don't know that that show was, I don't know if it's their best foot forward. I don't know if Impact has a best foot forward right well, now. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you fired up for Final Resolution? No, I'm not. I'm not either. Yeah, why would I? I mean, if you told me that some AEW wrestlers would be there or at least hinted at that, I would be, right? But I'm not. So we talk about the benefit. We talk about how Impact was, is going to be a one-sided relationship. Well, Impact got their benefit. They got 100,000 extra eyes on their show last night. But beyond this, where's the impact? Now where's the impact for benefit? I don't think they did a good job getting those 100,000 viewers into their pay-per-view they have coming up Saturday because they didn't get me into it. And I, I kind of follow Impact. So, and the pay-per-view lineup isn't a great lineup. They didn't really tease anything in that direction in terms of AEW being involved. So, uh, we'll see how it works for the other side when the number for Dynamite comes in. But, final resolution is this Saturday. And Rich Swan. oh, let me ask you. Do you know who Rich Swan is? Do you even remember who he's defending the title against? Well, I know it's Chris Bay one. because I was I was okay. actually reading an article earlier today about that match. It was actually I don't think they did a great job building. They did that not, match and that's what I was going to say. I before that article came out, and and a lot of that article was all about how it's like you know two 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 black wrestlers main eventing a pay per view, and that's like the first time since Booker T and The Rock, like you know since two thousand one, which is pretty yeah pretty startling when I looked at. That. I was like that can't be, and then I was like, oh man, yeah, that's probably real. Um. As I was reading that article, I was like, yeah, right. It's Chris Bay. Like, was he even hot? I don't even remember. I don't even remember. The only reason I know that Rich Swan, or I remember that Rich Swan was the champion, was because Kenny Omega mentioned Rich Swan, or Dan Callis mentioned, hey, we have titles here. Yeah, you're Rich Swan, he's our Impact champion. And Kenny went, mm, okay, you know, like, you know, that's sort of, I didn't know anything about Chris Bay. Well, and Swan, and Swan did the deal where the security wouldn't let him through. Right, right, right. Which a lot of people felt like they were punking out their own champion. I didn't see it that way. I thought that was building some heat and building towards at least teasing that Swan and Omega will mix it up. At some yeah. Point. Oh no. And, and, and anything like that. I mean, there was a little subtleties that, that, that Kenny and, and, and Don, I think nailed, uh, obviously having the bus, 
being sequestered from the rest of the roster, being sequestered away from mm-hmm. anybody else. I thought it was notable too that Josh Matthews comes into the bus and they, you know, he's got to wait a few seconds for them to come out type yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like that's just a power play right from the beginning where Josh right. Matthews walks on, he looks around like, where the hell are these guys? And they come, Oh, hi Josh. Like, you know, just, and, and that's the Swan thing is the same thing too. They could easily just let Rich Swan on, but they want to, the power play of no, leave him out. You know, no, he can't come out of the bus. It's our bus. You know, the, whole, you know? the whole thing was great. Yeah. I mean, that, that part of it. And then Callis knocked it out of the park. Um, so yeah, that whole segment was excellent, but, but you know, no, am I excited for Rich Swan and Chris Bay? I'm not after watching that show. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it should be a good match. Swan will retain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Bay then will be in the, um, uh, J cup this weekend too, which we'll get to later. Um, Deanna Peraza versus Rosemary for the knockout titles. Again, that'll be, that'll be fun. But the Rosemary stuff, the Rosemary sometimes. stuff can get fucking lost. And, and yeah, they, just, I, I, I fell off the, the, the Peraza bandwagon when they did the dumb stop start thing where she was supposed to win the yeah. title then didn't win the title then won the title then the next week i'm like what are you doing <laughs> like what are you doing just ever win the title like no 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 you know we wanted kylie ray to win it now kylie ray's not here so we're still gonna have deanna Prazo lose it and then she's gonna win it back a week later like what are you doing why yeah just uh, yeah why? i mean i know they i know they were in a tough spot but that no, was just have deanna Prazo win they're not in a tough spot <laughs> their tough I spot agree. was replace kylie ray and have deanna Prazo beat the replacement <laughs> like that's... stop yelling at me i agree i, I mean i would have so done weird. the same thing but I, you know i like they were in a tricky spot and they blew it yeah you she's know? she's still solid but the rosemary stuff yeah i, I have Zero. You just have to worry with Rosemary because you don't yeah. know if it's going to go into the undead bullshit, which I have no interest in. Uh, Rohit Raju, who's been awesome yeah, he as a division champion, and he will defend against, to be determined, it could be anyone on the roster except TJP. Mm. So obviously it's going to be Suicide or Manic or Puma, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what we're doing yeah, here, right? Sure. Okay. So um, and then Josh Matthews can say, well, we know that TJP used to be this character. And Madison Ray goes, but you don't know that that's him right now. You know what I mean? Like, just you could right. you play it out in your head right now. It's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, the match will be solid as fuck. So that, that's cool. And Rohit, yeah, I, I, I like Rohit a lot. And obviously, yeah, TJP match. I'm never going to get upset about that. So. so TJP will win with one of his masked uh, personas. And then he'll, he'll probably have to be champion where it'll be like a Midnight Rider deal. Where everyone knows who it is, but only Rohit Raju thinks he's crazy because right. he thinks he's the only one who knows who it. You know, and everyone else is like, "Well, I don't know if that's the, so." That's kind of it's probably where they're going here. Um, we have Ethan Page versus Carl Machine Gunka Anderson, and if uh, the North gets a tag title shot, if Ethan Page wins, that could be a little sleeper match if Ethan Page feels like working. Yeah, right. and 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 Carl Anderson is a guy who I will always I will go to my you know there are a lot of people that didn't watch his run in New Japan for wrestling as a singles wrestler that will not believe you when you say that this dude fucking rules and like that yeah that, that what now we're talking that's almost a decade now you know his peak singles run in New Japan for wrestling but you know I went back and watched that G one match that he had with Okada you know doing that series for Patreon and it was just like fuck yeah I remember at this time like how good Carl Anderson was and we used to on this show we'd get excited when like the New Japan Cup would come out and it was Carl Anderson by himself we're like yeah, here we go and he was always always dragged down by his, his his tag team partner whether it was Tama Tonga back in the day or eventually Doc Gallows and anytime we got those Carl Anderson singles matches we were excited about it and ready for it and and I'm still you know yeah it was a decade ago I still think he's got it in him if he really wants to it's it's all about yeah is Ethan Page going to bring his work in boots um will Carl Anderson obviously put his effort in if they put effort in that's a chance to be a really really good match but it it, it has so many you know it, it could fluctuate so many different ways with both those guys don't let machine gunka off the hook either he needs to put you know he's not exactly mr full effort all the time oh either, no so no no yeah if these two guys both care though it could be some got tommy dreamer versus larry Ugh. d the story here God. is 
Larry D will be cleared of his attempted murder charges Ugh. on John E. Bravo if he beats Tommy Dreamer. This is what I mean. Yeah. On the same no show where you have Rich Swan and Chris Bay fighting for the Impact World Championship and 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 you know proving you know breaking down you know demographic barriers to be the main event. You know what I mean? Like there's always really cool stuff there. And Eric Young and and, and Rich Swan had the same thing as well when they were having their big match. You have Carl Anderson and Ethan Page, and a lot of that stuff has been just kind of the North. We're better than you guys at, at tag team wrestling. We're going to prove it. We're the best tag team in the world. And then that's juxtaposed with Larry D getting his attempted murder charge, you know, reduced if he wins this pro wrestling match. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Tommy Dreamer is the district attorney now in uh, whatever county this is. I mean, how does this work? Stupid. And oh, by the way, it's an old school rules match, which basically means the old extreme rules for Tommy Dreamer. Hate each other. Shit. Great. Yeah. It's going to be atrocious. Um, Havoc and Nevea take on Sea Stars, Rich. So the uh, the much ballyhooed Impact Women's Division, which might be the most overrated division in all of wrestling, by the way. Um, I think Sea Stars are overrated. I know everybody loves them. Everybody's uh, indie darlings. They got to put up or shut up, in my opinion, because I've seen multiple matches from C-Stars and have never come away impressed. Yeah, I, I, I think Vox is, is the better of the two, but I, yeah, they're not exactly, you know, it's not the jumping bomb angels out there. So let's, Exactly. I mean, right. geez, people go crazy over these C-Stars. A nice little team. Nice little indie team. Jeez, I don't know if they're uh, major league uh, caliber, but I guess we'll find out. No glamour girls, have, you know. Definitely not. Oh, God, please. Judy Martin? You compare either one of these to Judy Martin? Give me a break. We got, we got to do that show. We've already, I, I watched it about eight months ago, all those matches at this point. But uh, yeah, so it's going to happen soon. Yeah, our next one of our deep dives. Your, one of our deep dives. Was that, your, was that your first like long term exposure to Judy Martin? I think so. Yeah, I'd only seen Judy Martin in like random, you know, Survivor Series or whatever. And then I only remember you making fun of her for looking like she was 65 when she was, you know, 29. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, I watched. Oh. Yeah, there, there's there's one match on that that deep dive. Eventually, when it happens, the Dodo if yeah. uh, Joshi deep dive. There's one match where she is just a fucking ball of fire, and I'm like, holy shit, she is so good. And then yeah, you watch every single match and a build upon, build upon, build upon. You're like, yeah, this, she's fucking great. Like, what a great wrestler. And Judy Martin was tremendous. I mean, Leilani Kai is good, and of course the JBAs. But I made Rich watch about eleven Jumping Bomb Angel versus Glamour Girl matches for this deep dive. Um. Yeah, basically, I guess you you gave it away. It's it's Joshi wrestlers in WWF is the theme of the deep dive. WWF is the key because we don't get into Io Shirai and Asuka because who cares? Everybody's watching that in real time. That's not interesting at all. So it's Joshi wrestlers in WWF, which is Jumping Bomb Angels and uh, Bull Nakano and Aja Kong and a bunch of others who have worked WWF through the years. Every piece of footage we could find. Um, of a Joshi wrestler competing in WWF. That'll be the next deep dive at some point. Um, Tennille Dashwood and Caleb with a K versus Alicia and Eddie Edwards. I love the Caleb with a K gimmick. It's one of these silly things that just hits me in the right spot. I love that he's carrying around a you know a coffee all the time. And he, I, I, it, that works for me. No, it does. That, no, because that, that, that's rude in reality. Because um, Caleb with a K yeah. is, is shooting above his grade there with Tennille Dashwood. Yeah. And that's kind of you the story. Know a Caleb, you know a Caleb with a K. <laughs> right. you, okay. I might be the Caleb with like, a K, actually. Not like about <laughs> right. it, but, <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's like the dude who knows his girlfriend's way hotter than he is. And so he just is going to do everything that, you know, she goes, take my well, picture. Like, and he goes, yeah, more, sure. Okay. And he's kind of a douchebag, he's more, too. He's more like her agent representative kind of deal, right? Isn't that the deal with I, Caleb? I always thought K? it was. Well, I mean, I guess because in, I don't know. 
He takes the. He makes sure he he's like her uh, social media. He makes sure he's taking the pictures for Instagram and all that. Cause she, her whole deal is she's like a conceited heel model kind of character. Right, right. She's a, in um, in, in a, aspiring, you know, uh, uh, Instagram influencer. I always thought, I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, it, it's not exactly. I was always under the impression that Kayla with a K is like the boyfriend or whatever, but essentially just being like, you know, strung along. So she has somebody to take photos of her, like on a mountaintop in her, you know, bikini, you know, when she's climbing up, you know, the mountain and turning around and, you know, fucking around with her hair for 45 minutes. So he can take a picture of her, you know, just casually climbing a mountain or something like that. So that I was always the impression that he's like an Instagram dad or, you know, an Instagram husband, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, it's all along the same lines. The, 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 where it falls apart is Tennille Dashwood fucking stinks. She's so bad. <laughs> She's so She's bad. Like, We've been yeah. hanging on. We've been hanging on to that fucking, uh, what was it, Emma Page match from... 11 yeah. years ago or whatever the fuck it was she's at this not point. Good. and she's never been good that was like one decent enough match that we're still like oh i mean she's got potential you know we saw it she like wasn't good in roh she wasn't good in <laughs> roh she's not good here no. she wasn't good at the end of the wwe run she's just not very good um eric young versus rhino of course eric young has our boy joe doring in his corner we think of Joe Doring in Impact. It's, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I kind of wish it had happened yeah. years ago. Uh, you know, obviously he had a great run in, in in all Japan, so I didn't really want him to you know leave there right away. But uh, he's a guy who I think, yeah, his career I think would be a lot. And I want to say in a better place, but at least in a much more interesting place if he had maybe come to America a, a few years prior. And that's again, I'm not taking anybody from his all Japan stuff, but I just thought at that time he was like at his, you know, like three years ago or something like that. If he comes to Impact or, or or does kind of the old school thing where, you know, he does tours in all Japan and then, you know, in between those tours works Impact or works, you know, whatever American company. This guy is one of the top indie wrestlers. And this is a guy that everyone's talking about and everybody knows his name. I feel like now, unfortunately, because of injuries and a bunch of other stuff, he's kind of on the downswing of his career. And it feels like we're, we're missing out on what re- really he's capable of. We'll see. Like, I like it. It, it, it. It's cool because I know what he's capable of, but I do wonder if there's people watching that are just like, what the hell is this guy? Why should I care about him? Which sucks because, like, he's so good. And, yeah, if he had, it, you know, made this run two, three years ago, uh, it, it'd be something to really get excited about. And now he just kind of unfortunately feels like a guy on the roster. But but I like it because I think he's great. So I He was really, really, really bad at the end of his All Japan run. Now, he was injured. He was banged up. He was not in good shape. He's in much better shape now. And it looks like he's moving around a lot better. He hasn't really wrestled any matches. He kind of just comes in and cleans up the garbage for Eric Young. But I'm curious to see how he works when they get him in a match because he's in much better shape now and he's moving around a lot better. The end of that All Japan run, he was fat. He was out of shape. He was wrestling like shit. That last carnival that he was in, he was atrocious. Mm -hmm. I mean, really bad. But, you know, supposedly he had some major injury and, and, you know, I guess he couldn't work out or whatever. But, um, yeah, he, uh, well, you know, we'll see, but he's not wrestling here. We've got Hernandez versus Falaba with Kira Hogan as the guest ref, Tasha Steeles as the guest announcer. This is an undercard feud they got going on. They didn't even build this at all on Impact last night, I don't think so. But that's fine. This match is so far down the uh, uh, prelim scale that, you know, you, if they didn't devote, I, do you remember them devoting any time to this last night? I, I Honestly, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh... Which again, it's not a super important match. I'm not. Compl- I'm not condemning them for it. I mean, not every match can get real estate time on the go home show. I understand that you only have two hours to work with, but um, you know, it's just a silly little undercard deal here with Hernandez and Falaba. So that's final resolution. That's Saturday. 
And, uh, you know, we'll see if Impact gets any kind of bump in uh, in business from their bump in viewership. And we'll be keeping an eye on their viewership number next week. Yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, I just see. wanted to make one one quick correction because I'm sure people will, will, will you know, I, I meant Caleb with a K is uh, Tino Dashwood's on-screen boyfriend Instagram husband or something like that. I think I think he's actually dating like Chris Statland or something like that. So oh, who give, come on? Uh, people people care, dude. People care way too much. I don't give two shits, but people live and die by what wrestlers are dating one another. Type no, I don't stuff, mean so. it from that perspective. I mean it from it was pretty obvious to me that we were talking about the gimmick. just in case you know what I mean. Like we're gonna get people are like just so you know he's dating Chris Statlander. <laughs> like, thanks, buddy. I, I don't care. So. I'll give a shit who Caleb Conley is dating. Okay, but thank yeah, you. Anyway, I, for... I didn't know that, and now, and I'm, and you know what? I'm gonna forget it in ten minutes too. So uh, doesn't matter. But I think it was pretty clear. But I know you get sometimes. Krejci gets a little nervous. I get it. I just so, see uh, those. I just I wake up at five a.m. in a in a. In, I know. And I look. I, I hit that fucking. You get the little icon. You know, a little bell, and I'm like, all right, let's see. And it's like, you know, uh, just so you guys know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just like, oh my god, I just. Want this. Well, now that we've straightened out who Caleb with a K. Yes, just so just so everyone's clear there. But uh, uh, yeah, I think they that. added, I don't know, 50 <laughs> buys to Final Resolution. I really, it's not like a, I don't know, is it a good, I don't think it's a good show, is it? Or it might be. I'm not jazzed up for this, but here's oh. the thing. I, to me, and we talked about this last time, once they did the murder mystery, I was out. I mm-hmm. checked out on Impact, and it's their job to reel me back in. Kenny Omega reeled me back in. I was one of those 55,000 people who said, I'm giving this a shot. I'm interested in this. I'm curious what goes down. Uh, Based on what I saw, if I wasn't doing this show, I wouldn't be watching this pay-per-view. I'm just being honest. I will watch the pay-per-view because we'll review it next week. I will watch the pay-per-view because it's my job to watch the pay-per-view. But I wouldn't be watching it if I were just a quote-unquote regular fan. And I wouldn't be watching Impact next week either unless I was promised some kind of AEW involvement. So from that perspective, the show did not do its job, at least for me. But we'll see next week. The numbers never lie. Just like tonight's Impact numbers, uh, Dynamite numbers aren't going to lie in terms of whether people are really interested in staying or this angle. They're not going to lie next week in terms of whether they are keeping any of these viewers uh, that they they had, uh, you know, the new eyes that they drew to their product. Thanks to Kenny Omega. Right. We'll see. Um, do a little ad here or what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, let, let's do it. So we got, we got some new Joe. It's the most wonderful time of a year that cannot end soon enough. 2020. We all deserve a win here. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket and we all deserve to have a little fun. I know Joe Lanza agrees with that one. Uh, the only place you're guaranteed to get all three of those is mybookie.ag. Uh, they're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everybody. But NFL, NBA, all of your favorite college sports and more. Plus, you sign up today and you receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is all about what's under the tree. And at mybookie.ag, that means huge deposit bonus epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code VOW at mybookie.ag, and get your deposit matched up to a 1000 bucks halfway. So you head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. Again, you sign up, enter promo code VOW, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 this winter. Bet with the best. 
bet with mybookie.ag. So, all I gotta, right, I gotta make those future do... bets now that I think about it. Let me let me put a note there. NBA season's crawling up real quick. That shit's in like well, yeah, fucking NBA for sure. Yeah, I can't believe it's in like fucking eight days or like ten days now or whatever. It's maybe even closer than that, right? It's like eight or nine days. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta. NBA future who needs, bets. Who needs to go. build continuity with drafted players and free agents? Just stick them out there on the floor and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a wild year. I cannot wait. They're all, they're all going to catch COVID anyway. What's the difference? Sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. F- get F- them F- out there. And, yeah. and uh, you know, just, uh, you know, got to gotta get the get those. Hey, now what's going on with the TNT schedule? Is that affecting AEW in any way? Because uh, of the so, White yeah, Power? it actually looks like, and I don't know if there's actually been something resolved from that, but there is a few games that are appearing on Wednesdays, which I don't know if, like, you know, because the NBA is obviously going to take precedent. Like, people are like, well, the yeah. NBA can move to it. It's like, no, the NBA is not moving days. Like, the NBA right. is not going to say, oh, we'll go to, you know, True TV. Sorry, guys. Sorry, All Elite Wrestling. Like, no. If the NBA TV schedule is going to be on a Wednesday, it's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I think there are a few. I don't know. I don't know for sure if they've 100% nailed in the entire schedule. But I do know uh, Wednesday the 16th, there's a Lakers-Suns game. So that's obviously going to preempt. Um, or at least maybe they'll wait till right after Dynamite. I get, Well, no, no, actually, you know what? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me make sure. The 23rd, that's right. I, I, I mixed my days up. That's at 730, Bucks celtics on December 23rd on TNT. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the plan is there for AEW, but uh, I guess they got to move or go somewhere else. Uh, that appears to be the only Wednesday one that I can see right now that's on TNT because then they mostly move uh, to ESPN and NBA TV on Wednesday. So they look pretty free from the schedule that I can see so far. Uh, but that December, what is it? What did I say? December 23rd, uh, that is going to affect impacts or, or, or AEW. So AEW will either have to go to later that night or, or a different night. So they've done that before. They've done like after the games, but that's pretty, I mean, they did, didn't they do that for the playoffs? They came on at like midnight or something like that. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? There was one funky week like that. Yeah. Where they, yeah. I mean, you know, they'll, you know, it'll, it is what it is. They'll just so have as, to adjust. As far as I can see, that looks like the only one right now. Cause the rest it of the Wednesday work, games move to ESPN. It can, so it could work to their advantage because that's a huge lead in audience. If they come, if, if they air after oh, Bucks Celtics. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great. So great that could abs- that could end up working to their advantage um, in a weird way, even though they'd be airing, you know, three hours later or whatever it is. But at any rate, we've got a lot to get to next up, Rich NXT Takeover War Games, and I guess um, I don't know. I made a tweet after I watched this show, which kind of sums up my feelings on on um, on this takeover and on War Games itself to some extent, and to NXT itself to some extent. When it comes to these takeovers, I appreciate that everybody works super hard. I appreciate that the wrestlers put in a ton of effort. Um, but these shows just feel so exhausting to watch. I watch takeover, and I feel like I worked a 45-minute match. It's just so thick mm-hmm. and heavy, and it's too much. And if every match is an epic, nothing is an epic, because then it's all the same. and this has been a complaint for a long time now with these takeovers. Look, I can't sit here and tell you that these matches weren't good. No, they were great matches. I just don't care about them because I'm unfortunately I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna shock you here with a, with, a, with a hot you know opposite take here. Uh, I'm pretty much the same, but yeah, I, I'm right with you. They were they're weird in that they're great matches. Like they're really good matches. Like both of the War Games matches were tremendous. But I also hate them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's, I just it's, I, I I just want them to end. You know, they're all egregiously long, and that goes for everything on the show, by the way. Everything on the show felt 
egregiously long. I could not believe that strap match went like 13 minutes. I was like, oh, we get it. it Go home. Like a half like, hour. Jesus Christ. You know, Six we're gonna minutes. Talk about, get in and out. Let's go. <laughs> we're going to talk about a match later that went 50 minutes and felt like 15. And every match on this show went like, well, with the exception of the War Games matches, went like 15 and felt like 50. So it's not always what the length is. It's how it, you know, it, it's how it feels. And these takeover shows are just, they, they're just exhausting to watch. And at the end of the day, what you have are shows where everybody works hard and the matches are quote unquote good. But I can't say I enjoyed watching this. I felt exhausted by the end of it. I didn't, I didn't have a, do you have a good time when you watch takeover? It's not fun. No, no, I hate it. Yeah. It's, it's just not <laughs> like, fun. You, like you said, the, the best term is exhausting. Like when you're done, cause it's just, it's so thick and there's so many things and there's so many different, you know, this person's doing this to this person and they're kicking out and they're going through a table and they're jumping off the top of the cell and they're hitting each other with a chair. And they're hitting each other with a, a, a kendo stick and they're going through a table and they're going through a ladder and she's falling over here and he's doing that. And you're like, Oh my God. And nothing, it, especially on this night, especially if you're going to do two war games matches, which again, like in, in a vacuum, both those matches were good. I always think of like the person that initially, like this is their first takeover they've ever seen, or they've seen like two or three takeovers. They probably think this is the best shit ever. Cause it is, you know, it it is good, right? I it, mean, it's good. I, like it's good stuff. It it's is, good it's effort. Weird. It's great matches. It, it, they're really, but dude, it's just not what I. It, it it's so. If you've watched one, you've watched a thousand of them. You, you know, at this point, and that's where like, if this is your first war games you ever saw, if that war, say you only watch the main event, you only watch the forty five minute undisputed era versus Birch, Lorkin, uh, McAfee, and, and and Dunn match, you might think that that's like one of the greatest matches you've ever seen, and I'd buy it. I I, I wouldn't call you an idiot. I would just say, get back with, you know, talk to me again in six months and see if you're still there and get well, back to me in a year and well, been, you think you still like it. Well, they've been doing these war games matches for three or four years and they, they all feel exactly right. the same. Well, and, and then on this night too, like you have the women's war games was when that was over. I was like, yeah, that was a pretty good war games. Like, the, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit, but like, you know, obviously the story was, was pretty terrible throughout and, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, that went 40 minutes and that's a big epic and people are going through ladders and tables and chairs and trash cans and kendo sticks and all sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. To, to run, you know, then an hour and a half later, here's a 45 minute match where they hit each other with kendo sticks, they go through tables, they hit each other with chairs, they go through ladders. It's just like, oh my god, it's the same. It's just different parts. It's just different people playing the same exact roles, and it's just it's exhausting. And like you said, it's 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 thick. Everything is just so life and death. And oh my god, if Adam Cole kicks out of here, it's just it's just they're, too much. It's good shows and with good matches that is just not fun to watch. And I know that doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but it, they're just not fun to watch. You just want these shows and every match on these should just be over. Just be over already. I want to move on with my night. You know, it, that, that's what it comes down to. Let's go through the matches because I'm determined to get through every single topic on the show. I'm determined, Let's Rich, do it. Let's do it. To succeed in this. Um, women's War Games. Now, I will disagree with you slightly. This is the weirdest fucking match because I thought it was a terrible match. The structure of the match made no sense. The structure of the match wasn't good. Um, and this really wasn't a match at all. This was just a collection of cool spots. Like, there was no story. There's no, like, clear structure of events. It was just all of these women taking turns doing dangerous spots. And at the end of the day, I appreciated their effort. And I appreciated that this was a 35-minute spot fests with ladders and tables and chairs 
And I ended up giving it four fucking stars. It's like the most angry four stars <laughs> right. I've ever given That's out right. in my life. I did too. But it's like, I was like, then when it was over, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, that sucked. Four. And I just like put it yes. down. It's like, what? What did I just do? Why did I just do that? Because they put so much effort. And that's yes. the thing that just, I don't, I, I mean, God bless these people. God bless these people for going out there and saying, give us as much time as we, as we want. Give us 40 minutes and we are all going to put our bodies on the line. We're going to literally break our arms in, in, in terms of Candice LeRae. And every single person in this match is going to take like four or five just ridiculous bumps to get this match over. And you're like, you appreciate the effort, but you're like, guys, I don't, I don't know if it's really paying off. Like, I don't know if you're getting, don't, you know. Yeah, don't get me wrong. This match was terrible. I can appreciate a wild spot fest. That's the best way I could. But it was too long. It was too long and it was terrible. Why did I even give this four star? Like, <laughs> I know. I can't even figure. But it, I don't even. I don't know. But in the psychology was all off. They did nothing to correct the idea that the heels had the advantage. So they just simply had the advantage the whole match, which we got it wrong. I apologize. I got it wrong last week. The heels didn't have the advantage in the men's match. I got mixed up in my head, and I forgot that Pete Dunne was a heel now, and mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly was. I I was just all yeah. Mixed the undisputed era face run is tough to 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 wrap your head around. Yes, they're, they're, exactly. they're the same people, but, but somehow now they're good. So yeah, and and but anyway, this women's match. I don't know what else to say about it. I think the the Io Shirai spot in the garbage can was a cool visual, but actually kind of silly too. To be honest, the more I see it, um, the finish looked nasty. I mean, this is a violent match where they did cool shit. I don't know, but it was a terrible match. What a weird review. I don't know what... <laughs> Here's this good match that's also terrible that I and hate, but I also <laughs> think I liked. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where I'm at, too. It's, it's, it's you know, a lot of the work... Like, to me, you're absolutely right. It was a, it was a collection of spots, but a lot of the spots were really good and, like, yes, really well done, and I appreciated the effort that every single person was putting yes. in there because every single person that I'm, that in this match, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, Tony Storm, Ember Moon, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Shotzi Black, they all got moments to shine and to play their roles and do what they did. The problem, though, is that everybody did that so much so that it was just, like, an ungodly long match. And I, whoever in that office, I don't know who it is, but I want a name, Whoever decided let's add a minute to the periods for war games, that person deserves to to I, I don't know what be fired to to send away. It, it's a minute, and it seems like nothing, but that one minute is endless. Well, particularly, well, in a, particularly when you have you you know Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart, you know kicking Dakota Kai, you know the, the heel, and then Raquel Gonzalez, the, the buzzer goes off, and Raquel Gonzalez runs in the ring, and they're like, "All right, Raquel Gonzalez here to even the odds." And I'm like, "No, that's not what War Games is." Well, let's start at the core problem of NXT to begin with. Why are these eight humans in a War Games match? What what is this long-standing Tony beat Storm that- turned on Ember Moon? So. That Io, Sh- well, why aren't they just having a fucking match? Then? <laughs> I don't know. Why, what does Io Shirai have to do with this beef? Why would, why wouldn't Io Shirai say, you know what, guys, this match is dangerous. I don't want no part of it. I don't have a, a the, the same beef you have. Sorry, that's your battle. It doesn't make any sense. It's because it's time to do war games on the calendar. That's why. At least the men's match, you get it. You know, these two factions are warring with each other. They did a good war game setup for the men's match. This was just eight people who didn't belong in a war games match to begin with. That's problem number one. So Raquel Gonzalez pins Io Shirai. So they continue to push Raquel Gonzalez. So at least that part of it was well booked. You're taking your most, the person that you've chosen to push the hardest, and they pin the champion. 
So, I mean, I can't really kill them for that. Um, anyway, Tommaso Ciampa defeats Timothy Thatcher. Rich, I thought this was the best match on the oh, show. Dude, I was, I, I was really ready to argue with you because I thought this match ruled too and I assumed that you were going to think it sucked. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> they just no, got in there and beat. So the, the, the story is, you know, Ciampa says there's no tough guys in this company. There's no guys that really want to wrestle. And Timothy Thatcher's like, I've been here, bro. I'm wrestling, man. I'm tough. Let's go. So they have a, they have a wrestling match. That doesn't really go anywhere. And then they just fucking fight each other for the last half of this match until Timothy Thatcher's ears bleeding and Tommaso Ciampa beats him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, do you, why would anybody not like this? No, it was awesome. They yeah, tried to grapple. It didn't really go anywhere. They kind of were even. Timothy Thatcher with a slight advantage. And then Chamba just said, I'm just going to beat the fuck out of this guy. And he beat the fuck out of him. And then he won. Yeah, he popped open his cauliflower ear. So you had the great visual of Thatcher's ear just bleeding down the side of his face. I mean, I thought this was the only match on the entire show that didn't overstay its welcome. And I thought it was the most enjoyable match. And I thought it was the best match. And it hit my notebook. I have two notebook matches on this show. That's the second one. But this is one that I actually liked. I didn't even like the women's war games, but I gave it four stars for some reason. I like this match. And I thought it earned all four of those stars. Yeah. So um, glad you're with me. I like <laughs> I like how both these matches are the same rating. One, we just give a ton of unequal praise to, and the other one we think sucks, but also went for it. It's. I like NXT Thatcher. He's fine. He's I mean, good. I, yeah, I like it too. It's NXT not boring Thatcher, Thatcher, which is great. No. It's the Thatcher that, like, people always get this idea in, our, in their heads that you and I always hated Timothy Thatcher. And every Timothy Thatcher match we thought sucked. We didn't. We would say at the same. That's what made Timothy Thatcher so much, so that much more infuriating when he was in Evolve. Because in Evolve, you'd have these 35-minute matches where you laid on the mat the entire time and the fans were all scrolling on their phones. And then he'd go over to Britain and just kick ass and he'd be incredible. Or he'd go to some other indie Germany. and be kick ass and incredible. Or Germany, yeah, he'd go in the fucking WXW and, and do their, their tours or whatever and just be fucking great. And we yeah, were like, yes. Yeah, and he was always good in tag matches. Yeah, but- we were like, that. That Timothy Thatcher is what we want. And then he'd come to Evolve, you know, Evolve 76 and, and lay in the ring for 45 minutes while nobody made any noise and, and everybody said, oh, that was a great match. And it's like, I don't really, I don't know. Like th- those matches I didn't like. I like well, to be that when he's exciting and fun. I don't like him he, when he's boring and dull. <laughs> he's he's still not over. No. Uh, his television segments always tank and he's booked like shit. He lost to Kushida the week before this match <laughs> on TV. Like, and why is he the guy on the, so it doesn't make sense. I could get Timothy Thatcher over. Give me a month and I can get Timothy Thatcher over. I I mean, it's so simple with him. Number one, he should never, ever, ever speak. That's number one. Number two, get rid of the Thatcher dungeon segments on NXT. They're, They're pointless and redundant. You don't need them. Number three, I would have him go out there every week and just beat the living shit out of people and never sell. And win three minute matches every week. And that's how you get Timothy Thatcher over. I'd have this motherfucker Hot as fire. And I'd be drawing money with him, whatever that means in this day and age, at the top of the card when he would eventually lose to, like, my big babyface hero or whatever who gets the first big win over him. It's so simple. But they present this guy as this dangerous shooter, but he never wins. How, I mean, you can't put, get this guy over as dangerous if he never beats anybody. <laughs> that, is, that is an unfortunate downside is, is yeah, you need to um... – he needs to win, and he needs to not lose to Kushida via submission. And uh, I can hear build people up to around a match now. where he's going to be a tough guy. So yeah, and then he loses again. 
And I can hear people out there already. Ah, Joe and Rich. Oh, they're so boring. They just want to book people to be dominant and win all the time. Yes, <laughs> you're correct. right. Yes, that is exactly. What I'm going to do, do what wrestling time. did successfully for 70 years, and you can do this bullshit they've been doing the last few years. They haven't yeah. created one new star. You do that. I'll do my thing. Yes, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, Dexter Loomis defeats Cameron Grimes in a strap match that allegedly went 12 minutes and 55 seconds. I think that's a mistake. I think this match definitely went 52 minutes and 55 seconds. There was a lot of clock minutes. watching, I will tell you, during this match. As I went, my God, this thing's still going on. Like, it's just never. I, I, I got to be honest. I don't remember a thing about this except that I was bored. That's, that's all I can. I, yeah. I, I don't. I have, nothing, I have nothing to add. I wanted this to end so badly. You know, you actually, like- you know what? You know why this is probably appears shorter than it was? Because they fucking brawled for six minutes before the bell rang. Remember that before they attached the strap. So that might be where, because the actual segment itself felt like it was like fucking 25 minutes. So that might be where the problem is. But um, update from the chat room. Apparently, Max Caster is dating Chris Statlander. Oh, well, you you see what you've created, Rich? I know. Can we just make this clear? We <laughs> don't, don't care who he's dating. Right. Rich just wanted to make clear that Caleb with a K is not dating Tennille Dashwood. That's all Rich was trying to make clear. Um, that's number one. Number two, they announced a late night show after the NBA on December 20... 23rd. Yeah, so that's, that's the one that we talked about. So they're going to go after the NBA then. Yeah. And then they're doing two New Year's Smash shows on New Year's, one featuring Snoop Dogg, so another mainstream star. Man, Sasha Banks, cuz. Oh, you're right. Yeah. WWE Hall of Famer. (laughs) Is he a WWE Hall of Famer? I don't know. Let's just say that he is. Okay, let's go with it. Yeah. If not, he he will be soon. (laughs) And Sasha Banks, cuz, coming in for the competition. Look, I get it. Do I need Snoop Dogg on my wrestling? I don't. I understand why they're doing these things. Uh, 2016, he officially went into the celebrity wing of the uh, WWE Hall of Fame. There you go. Mike Tyson and Snoop Dogg and Shaq. And I understand it. And I have faith that these people will all be used properly. So uh, so we'll see. Listen, TK wasn't kidding. He really is pulling out all the stops here to try to uh, make something happen. That's what you have to do. You can keep doing the same thing and keep you know, putting up 750,000 viewers. Or you can try some new things and uh, be aggressive. And hey, maybe it doesn't work. But um, it, look, I know when I go to my job, when things are just samey, my boss wants growth. Figure something out. Come up with some ideas. You know, break this. And, and that's what Dynamite is trying to go through here. So uh, we'll see. Next matchup was uh, Johnny Gargano, Damian Priest, and Leon Ruff in the three-way for the North American title. Another match that felt like it was about four hours long. We've got run-ins by the Scream villains. Um, which Damian, I can't Priest believe it's was, mid-December and we're doing the scream thing still. It, it, it's, it's okay. This match was 17 minutes. You could have told this story in seven minutes. Why was this 17 minutes? Why did Damian Priest fight them off a hundred times before they finally got their way? It's like it's too much. It's overbooked. It's overbooked. Okay, you could have told this same story and had this same match in a third of the time, and. I appreciate, again, the hard work, and they did work hard. And on paper, this was like a good match, but I didn't enjoy it. It was too long, and there were too many run-ins. Just do one run-in. 
Damian Priest isn't going to be finished forever because the one run-in does him in. It's okay. That's the point of the run-in. You know what I mean? It's like just have Austin Theory do the run-in and screw the guy. We don't need it nine times during the same match. It's just an overbooked fucking mess. That's my review of this match. What did you think? I, I'm almost exactly the same way. It. Um, I, I don't remember much from it other than the run-ins and the length. <laughs> and then how, again, I'm looking at my clock going, how is this match still happening? Why is this still happening? I, I just, I long for the days where your takeovers, you, you know, your, your undercard takeover matches, your matches that weren't title matches were just 10 or 11 minutes. And one person was, 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 was proven to be better than the other or whatever. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that again, like, you know, oh, they're boring. If you want to have this little triple threat and you have, again, you want to have the Austin theory run in and the scream mask and all this sort of stuff. That's fine. But like you said, have them one time and have it happen eight minutes into the match. And then the match ends in 10. Like it did not need to be 18 minutes long. Like, why is this 18 minutes? No reason whatsoever, and I guess the story's fine. It's cool, I guess. I don't know. Like it, it, no, it's, it's just it's, no, it's not. The story, the story sucks. Um, yeah. Number one, the story sucks. Number two, the match was overbooked. I hated it. I hated this. I legitimately hated this. Uh, they got the title off a of rough, so um, you know you knew that was going to happen. Gargano's got it back. I, I just don't care about any of this, and it was overbooked. Um, and then the War Games, Unsputed Era versus uh, Pat McAfee's crew. And the only thing I'm ever going to remember about this is Pat McAfee, who was the star of the match and once again way outperformed, outkicked his coverage, you might say. <laughs> Get it, Rich? I do, because he's a punter. Um, way outperformed his uh, expected skill level, was the star of the match, the only thing memorable about the match. In a match that went 45 minutes, which again, it could have been 30 minutes. There's no. Re- this had so. Look. The finish for this match should have been the tequila sunrise or sunset fall. What what, what does Adam Cole call his gimmick? I don't even remember anymore. Yeah, paradise fucking flip. What is it? What do you call it? The uh, uh, what city is he from in Florida? That's the name of the move. The uh, I don't the I don't know. The South Florida destroyer. You're asking the wrong guy. Fucking uh, no. He uh, the Key Largo shuffle. What what does he call it? The The Florida Keys. The Panama Sunrise. Panama Sunrise. Did you it. say that so, already? I think you already said that. But I said tequila sunrise. Oh, that's yeah. That's uh, I think Conan, Conan used that move. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. an Eagles, an Eagles lyric. Um, but yeah, it should have ended when he hit the first Panama sunset or whatever the fuck. Why <laughs> did Why did McAfee kick out of that? And then Cole has to make the shot because face. it's fucking NXT and everyone's got to kick out. Everyone has to make shocked face, and everybody does their finisher. And, God damn it. Because they didn't want to beat McAfee. But if you don't want to beat him, why even do that spot? Exactly. It's just He's not even a wrestler. So why should he be kicking out of Adam Cole's finisher after 40 minutes of getting his ass kicked? It's poorly booked. Yep. This is all poorly booked. It, it all the, the the whole structure the structure of NXT matches, the structure of these big NXT matches are to build to Adam Cole grabbing his hair when a guy kicks out of a move. That's what it yes. is. You know what I mean? Like, that is the key. That is the focal point of the match is we're going to get to a point where Adam Cole, you're going to hit the Panama Sunrise or the last shot or whatever, and then the guy's going to kick out, and then we're going to zoom in on you, grabbing your hair, going, oh, my God, I can't believe he kicked out. Like, that is what that's the point of those matches is to get that shot. Hit the, if he's going to hit the Panama pump handle or whatever on McAfee, he needs to beat him with it. Otherwise, don't even do the spot. McAfee's a part-time. He's not a full-time he's wrestler. He's a hobbyist. <laughs> like, let's what go. You, yeah, just beat him. 
What are you protecting him for in that spot? He got his ass kicked the whole match, and then he kicks out of your top star's finisher after getting his ass kicked the whole match. It's too much. And there were like nine other ch- – I don't even think I'm exaggerating. There were like seven or eight other times where this match could have ended yeah. and should have ended. I'd say they the last – I was going to say the last maybe 11 or 12 minutes I feel like was the closing stretch of this match. You know what I mean? The last fourth of this match was like, oh, he hits this. One, two, no. All right, he hit that. One, two, no. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then it went on for – It's exhausting. Yeah, it's just too much. I'm just screaming at my TV, take it home. <laughs> take it home. Jeez. I, I don't know. So um, that was NXT TakeOver War Games 4. Yeah. They have done four of these. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember two things from any of these matches in four years. Adam Cole crawling on top of the cage in the first one for the big dive. And Pat McAfee just fucking running shit in this one. It's like, I don't remember anything else because it's all the same shit. I was going to say, Ricochet, Ricochet did a big spot in one, but now I'm not even sure if that was a War Games or a ladder match that he, he jumped off the top of. So. And it's the undisputed era in the match every year. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that is the other problem, too. Like, they've been in more War Games matches now than the Horsemen. Like, it's crazy. You know? It, 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 so it all just bleeds together, you know? Got Next year, they'll be in the match again. You have three 40-year-olds or whatever in the undisputed era. You can book it right now. NXT TakeOver War Games 5 Undisputed Era versus Gallus. It's coming. <laughs> hey! You know, doom, 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 do, 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 do. no one. And out come the coffees. Creepy <laughs> oh, Wolf Gang. Were they both coffees? Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I ain't giving any of them. Creepy Wolf Gang. You know, and whoever else joins their, 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 uh, their Gallus team. Maybe Pete Dunn, he just changes every teams every 10 seconds anyway. So next year, it'll be Undisputed Era versus Gallus and Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn, who never likes anybody that he's friends with. You know, he just he just snarls at everyone. I kind of like that, though. I think Pete Dunn does Yeah, nice actually, job. my favorite part of this entire match was the first five minutes or whatever. It was just Pete Dunn and Kyle Riley having a wrestling match. I was like, oh, that's refreshing. And then, yeah, then the candlesticks yeah. came out of the tables and the ladders and the chairs and, you know, the sort of shit. Uh, I will say my favorite part of... Uh, Maybe this entire NXT takeover was the night, the day after uh, Pat McAfee goes onto his radio show wearing a wearing a neck brace. I love it. Yes. How yeah, is I mean, how look. is this guy better than anybody else at wrestling? Like, how is all these fucking goobers on Twitter that oh I've watched wrestling since I this and here they are with their fucking replica belts when they're four years old and shit. Oh, I've watched wrestling and I oh my dream is to reign at WrestleMania and they all have no fucking clue what they're doing. And Pat McAfee is out there on his radio show wearing a neck brace. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do all these people know? How does no other American wrestlers get it and fucking Pat McAfee gets it? Yep. How many guys on the indies would would have a a, a match like this and then the next day, you know, have a Twitter picture with them wearing a neck brace on it? Yeah. You're probably going to get a picture of them with their opponent at a bar, you know, hanging out afterwards. Yeah. You know, some stupid, but yeah, Pat McAfee comes on his radio show with a neck and and sells it while he's talking on his show. Maybe MJF. Maybe MJF, yeah. That's about it. That guy did, yeah, that guy did, you know, have like a major knee injury. (laughs) I I told you this story as well, where, you know, it's him and AC Romero at an AEW show and AC does something and, and he... He lands on uh, MJF's knee, and MJF immediately just goes "fuck." You know what I mean? Like in a, in a like, there's a, a definitely way that you know, like a wrestling cell fuck, 
And then a, oh, fuck, my knee's actually fucked. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, that's, and MJF had that one where he's like, God, fuck, God damn it. You know what I mean? Like, in a, in a real bad way. So they took it home right away, and it's clear that his knee's fucked. You know, they, they have guys come out. They check on him or whatever. Um, so they lift him to the back. They're, you know, not lift him to the back. You know, a few guys come out and just kind of put him on their shoulders, and, 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 and you know, he's not putting any weight on his knee. And everybody does, you know, what you're going to do when a guy clearly is hurt, and everybody does the, yeah, you know, clap or whatever. And he just goes, don't fucking clap for me. I don't want your goddamn claps. <laughs> Just like, yep. yes. It's great. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I, I you know, I, I find out later, like an hour later, I'm like, yeah, was that like, and they're like, no, no, he actually hurt his knee. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's just a worker. Yeah. So, yeah. So fuck he, you. Don't clap for me. Yeah. Don't yeah. fucking clap for me. As he, you know, he's wondering, oh, shit, am I going to wrestle, you know, again for another year? Did I just tear my SEL? <laughs> and he's like, nah, you know, I got to keep the character. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. That's part of the reason he's going to be a top star for two decades. Yeah. Cause he gets it. Part of the reason. I mean, you know, it's also his abilities, of course. And, his promo ability and his charisma and getting a lot better in the ring too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and he gets it on top of everything else. So, and being old school and just being what wrestling is supposed to be makes set you apart now, yeah. which shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Selling a brutal match. Yeah. is something that I'm talking about and pointing out. Like why, why do I have right. to do that? You know, well, were yeah. any of the other guys showing up with, you know, arm break uh, other than Candice LeRae, who has legitimately a broken arm like no one else is, you know, rhetorical question, yeah, whatever. New Japan. They've got the best of the Super Juniors slash World Tag League final coming up on the 11th, which I believe is Friday. Yep. And the Super J Cup coming up the next day on the 12th. Is that gimmick taped? Like, what's the deal? I'm almost. The- yeah, it's got to be. I- I'm sure it was taped weeks ago. Um. Is that the same day as the Impact pay-per-view, the 12th? The tw- yeah, it, it would be. Yeah, they'd both be on Saturday. So Chris Bay cannot be in two places at once. Oh, yeah, he's so double dipping. I, I didn't realize that. So. That that was, in fact, taped, if it is the same day. Um, let's go through the Budokan Hall Best of Super Junior World Tag League final show. We have Robbie Eagles, show and Toru Yano against Taiji Ishimori, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens, Taiji Ishimori, <laughs> did not make the finals, so he is relegated to an opening tag. We have Toa Hanare, Kazuchika Okada, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Willow Spray, the great Okan, and Jeff Cobb, collectively known as the Empire Rich. Yeah, that's, that's a big moment. Empire. This is a big moment for all these three of Empire to really kind of show their 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 metal as as a, as a full unit. I'm excited for it. Well, we've got Osprey Okada, of course, which is already set for the dome. Uh, many people feel that this will set up a potential Great Okan versus Tanahashi match mm-hmm. for the Dome, which I think would rule. That I would be awesome. That'd great be a match. great moment for 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 Okan to, to go in there and, and work with an all time great worker and 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 maybe get that big upset and get that big win, which would set the stage for the rest of the year for him. Very similar to Jay White working that big Dome match with Tanahashi a few years ago. Um, so and and if they do do that match, um. I hope some people pump the brakes on criticizing me and what I think this guy is going to mean to the future because they're not going to put this guy in a match at Wrestle Kingdom against Hiroshi Tanahashi if they don't have big plans for him. So you don't have to like him. That's not what I'm saying. Taste is your own. Taste is your own taste. But uh, this guy is going to be a pushed act for a long time, in my view. Uh, Jeff Cobb, of course, by pinning Shingo Takagi on the final night of the uh, block round of the tour, seems to be in position for a never title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. So that seems to be Cobb's direction. Mm-hmm. There's a few guys, though, that did it. Didn't did, did Finley did it as well, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, but that brings me to a point I want to make. Okay. When it comes to these tournament tours, 
the first night and the last night are always the most important. Right. If you study Gato's booking, he always does like the most important shit that he wants to stay with you on the first night and the last night. And Jeff Cobb pinned Shingo on the last night. It eliminated Shingo and Sonata from the tournament, I believe. Um, but more importantly, it was the big show at the end of the tour. And that's, you know, uh, where the important things occur. Um, so the stuff in between, yeah, it matters for the points and everything, but they know that people aren't watching fucking Beepoo or whatever the fuck. They're paying attention to the cork and shows, the first match of the show, the last match of the tour. And so it looks like we're getting Cobb and Shingo as a never match at the dome because he pinned Shingo in such a high profile spot. I mean, cause that the final match is always the final show and the first show are always the two most high profile spots. And the other thing is that's why. And I've been stressing this all along, the booking of the Empire team in the tournament itself, you know, finishing with like a 500 record or, or you know, or somewhere around a 500 record, 10 points. So they went five and four. Does not fucking matter. The only thing that matters with Okan and Cobb is that they squashed Tanahashi and Hanari on night one and that Cobb pinned Shingo on the final night. All that matters. Nothing else they did in this tournament matters at all. First night of the tour, last night of the tour. Because they know that's where things are going to make an impression on the viewer. So um, those are the two most important results. And they stood tall on the two most important nights of the tour. And that squash on the first night seems to set up this six-man tag. And that's why it looks like Okan could end up in a match with Tanahashi. So um, we will have to see. And next, that leads us to Shingo and Sonata against Yujiro and Evil. This clearly looks like a setup to set up the Sonata Evil singles match that will probably take place on one of the Dome shows. A match that I have no interest in, but I can totally see why they would make that match. Oh, sure. Yeah, that, that's that's a match. If you're going to cap off this year, that, that's a match that you absolutely should do. And Naito's obviously going to be busy. Evil's kind of in the, in the rear view in, in, in terms of the main title picture right now. So the next best thing to do with him, you don't want to just stick Evil. You've done a lot of work with Evil this year, whether you know whether you like it or not like it. You don't want to stick him in a random six-man. You don't want to stick him in a random match. I mean, but him in a singles match against Sonata, that, that seems to make all the sense in the world with me. Like you said... If if maybe if Shingo and Sonata were gonna you know go on a run and, and and win the World Tag League or whatever, then yeah, that's a spot that you could put for those guys, and maybe you just figure out something else for Evil. But if Sonata's got nothing going on and Evil really doesn't have anything going on big time wise, I would say yeah, plop that on an, on one of these nights because that that's a big time match and that's a that's an important match for this company and and, and what they've done in this year. Yeah, am I gonna be super interested in it? No, not at all. But uh, oh, God, it's, it's gonna it's, be terrible. Yeah, it's not gonna be good at all. It was one that we talked about a few weeks ago of just how annoying that match is gonna be in front of you know a, a half filled you know Tokyo Dome and they're out there for 25 minutes doing you know back and forth boring you know offense but um no it's a match that 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 probably should happen uh, at one of the dome shows and 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 you know probably will you know whether you know I really want to or not so <laughs> but yeah the, the idea of you know rubbing my eyes together waking up at you know 2 a.m and hearing you know Sonata and Evil in the middle of a ring as fans clap politely sometimes is uh does not really get me very interested so to expand on my point with the first night of the tour and the last night of the tour, I will direct you to last year's G1. Willow Spray went like four and five or three and six or whatever record he had in that G1. What's the only thing you remember about Willow Spray's G1 last year? Right. That he beat Hiroshi Tanahashi on the final night. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, Lance Archer, again, he went like four and five, three and six, whatever, but they were going to kick off a big push for him. What's the only thing you remember about Lance Archer's G1 last year? Not his losing record, that he beat Will Ospreay in Dallas on night one and made a statement in his hometown and looked incredible doing it. Night one. 
first night, last night. Those are always the nights to really keep your eye on when it comes to these New Japan tournaments. Um, so let's see. what What's next up? We have, oh, Master Wato and Kota Ibushi against Bushi and Naito. This is Abushi and Naito. They're having their match at the Dome. This is to build some heat. And the juniors are kind of just there to be involved in the pinfall. I would expect Bushi to maybe lose to Wato here or something. Um, and, you know, we've seen that kind of match a million times. I don't think there's anything else to add. And then we have our two finals, Gorillas of Destiny versus Finjuice. We broke this down either last week or the week before. I'm still going with Finjuice. I think there's more things you can do with Gorillas of Destiny at the Dome. You can stick one of the other Bullet Club guys with them and go after the Never titles, uh, six-man titles, or something like that with those guys. Whereas I think Finjuice is a more natural opponent for the heel dangerous techers and makes for a better match. And, um, you know, and you could always stick the Gorillas of Destiny guys with their brother if they want to bring Hukuleo back or if they want to just stick them with Fale or Chase Owens or whoever the fuck. And they could be in a Never Gauntlet or go after the Never titles or whatever. So do you kind of have the same train of thought or do you think Gorillas of Destiny will win this? Do you want me to make you mad? I. I don't think there's anything you could say that will make me mad about this dopey match, but you can go ahead. I could try. Okay, so John Carroll, uh, who uh, did the uh, part of our preview for Uh VoiceOfWrestling.com, brought up a very disturbing scenario here. Uh, Either team wins, whatever. Juice and Finley win. Girls of Destiny win, whatever. Probably Girls of Destiny. They win via nefarious means, and we have a triple threat IWGP tag team title match. All right, you successfully made me mad. See? Dopey match. <laughs> right? Thank you, Rich. Thank you're you, trying so you're spending your time trying to think about it, and they're probably not thinking about it. They're probably just like, fuck it. Who cares? We'll do a triple threat. Yeah, that'll stink. <laughs> right? Like I, I okay, so I, I you're right that Juice and, and, and Finley would be a better team to go and do it. I like yeah. that team a little bit better. But once I read what John wrote, it was just like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably gonna what happen. they're going to do. God, or at least there's a chance. That's right. I uh, so wish I hadn't read that. I so wish I had read it because the second I read it, I was just like, fuck, <laughs> that's totally what they're doing. God. So the best is Super Junior final in uh, in uh, Budokan Hall, Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado. So, I mean, the outcome is 100%. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think your guy at Despy's got it here, uh, unfortunately. Sorry. You know, it's a mid-level junior in the main event. Uh, yeah, can people, can oh people stop? I know. The, oh, is he a mid-level junior now? Main eventing Budokan Hall? Yes. Can we stop pretending? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Alex Shelley. I, I just got done fucking reviewing and watching Alex Shelley in the best of the Super Junior Final. Yes. Yeah. You can be a mid-level yes. junior and still lose in the best of the Super Junior Finals. Yes. This is in uh, Masawa working on his uh, 88th straight sellout in Budokan Hall. Okay, let's pump the brakes on Despy. He's still a mid-level junior. Okay. Um, they sell these tickets for these tournaments based on the fact that you're getting a tournament final. It's never based on the match. And oh, by the way, it's fucking half attendance. Doesn't matter. Okay. Despy, he might be kind of being slightly elevated here. I mean, I, I don't doubt that. But this is no confirmation of his star power that this show happens to be in Budokan Hall and he happens to be in the main event. It means nothing. It means nothing. It means zero. Okay? And there's a good chance he's only in this final because they had half a field. Yeah, it could have been Ryu Lee or, you know, it, it could have been any number of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I am a Despy fan. I have to keep saying that. But it is what it is. But the outcome is not in doubt. This all makes sense why... 
he beat Hiromu on night one. Okay, there we go again with the point I made before. And he beat him with the, you know, the chair to the leg and everything. It was all to set up Hiromu getting his win back in the final, which he will do here. And then he will go on to Wrestle Kingdom where he will defeat Taiji Ishimori for the junior title. I would bet everything I own on both of those outcomes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think? Rich? No, I'm, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah, yeah. Hiromu is, is, is definitely winning this. Uh, that's, you know, again, <laughs> I, I did a little bit of research on this uh, as well. But, you know, off the top of your head, can you tell me how many IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship opportunities uh, little uh, El Desperado has received in his New Japan career? I'm going to say zero. No, this, one. He had one when he came back to the company when he, and he attacked with the guitar. He had one. So it's actually four. But one of them is from February 2014 where he lost to Kota Ibushi. Right, that was his return. Remember, he came out with the guitar, and people were trying to figure out who he was. Oh, yeah. that's right. You're, you're right. Oh, I thought you were talking about his return from Noah, not his return return. Yes. No, no, no. His return return. That's the only one I remember. What right. So the there's that ones? one. So he lost that one. Uh, yeah. October 2014, he lost to Ryusuke Taguchi. Um, are we counting no NWA record. World Junior Heavyweight title matches or no? So No. No. Okay. Uh, let me scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, September 2017, he loses to Kushida. And then his most recent one was in June of 2018 when he lost to Hiromu Takahashi. So, I should also note that when I called him a mid-level junior, he had exactly one title reign in the history of his career in the company, and that was a junior tag title reign, and had never won a tournament. Right. Okay. Now, since I have said that, he won the junior tag league, which nobody cares about. And is now on his second tag team title reign. He's still a mid-level junior. And that's fine. Well, it's okay. And it's fine. <laughs> like, exactly. I don't know why people are so ready to just, oh, this guy. I mean, they've had years to push him. I, I don't know. Like, I really don't believe that this is now the beginning where all of a sudden they woke up and said, wait a minute. Eldos Brados and fantastic. Well, it like, could be. Listen, they might push him at some point. I, I don't know. I'd like to see him get pushed. And maybe this is the beginning of a pu- I don't know. He'll be back My in a point fucking here tag is, team. He'll be back in a tag team in two weeks. You're probably right. My point here is I was not incorrect when I called him a mid-level junior then, and it wouldn't even be incorrect to call him one now. And I like the guy, and I think he's an excellent wrestler. I like him a little more than you do. Um, but anyway, that's your main event. And um, You're you absolutely know, right, though. Haruma wins. He beats Saiji Shimori for the title uh, at, yeah. at the Dome, for sure. That's, that's absolutely We're gonna going to change history. Though. This is confirmation because he's main eventing in Budokan Hall. Um, Please. Gator woke up and said, ah, we got a hot talent on you know our hands. You know what I got to yeah. do to fill that building? I got to put El Desperado in the main event. That's what I need to do to fill that building. Super J Cup is the next day. You know, I had something to say about the final night of the block. Oh, the Finn Juice versus Chaos main event, to me, was the best match of the World Tag League. The only one that made my notebook. So if anyone wants to go back and... um take a look at that show that match was worth your time um and i can't remember the other thing i was going to talk about it must not have been important who cares let's move on <laughs> that basically to... wraps up that's a good way to wrap up the world tag league must not have been important <laughs> yeah. who cares yeah that's about right yeah yeah um look i thought hiromu was the best wrestler in the tournament but i didn't think he was particularly great i thought he was good but it wasn't the usual and i think that's because he didn't have those other super dynamic wrestlers to work with you know what I mean? Um, so he didn't, I don't think he had any match of the year contenders in this tournament. He didn't have any matches that I'm going to remember, uh, you know, 15 years from now in this tournament, whereas in the past he has. But, um, and, and don't get me wrong, he was good, but I, I don't think the tournament was great. I didn't think he was great. 
I thought it was a good tournament with a lot of good matches. Um, and that's – I thought Desperado is your Mori, and I, I don't know. Who cares? Let's move on to the Super J Cup. <laughs> so we've got the first round here, and we got Chris Bay, who we've talked about already, versus Clark Connors. So it looks like Chris Bay – you think he'll advance? I think he'll advance. I mean, uh, he's, he's got to be Clark Connors. Yeah, for sure. He's advancing past the first. I mean, round. he's not. He's an impact guy, and Connors is their own guy, and Connors has done well on strong. I don't know if it's. I, I don't know if I'd say 100%. I don't know if I'd say 50 50. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I'm, I would do 80. Uh, I'm probably an 80 20 on, on Bay moving forward. TJP ACH has a chance to be, well, Real good chance to be the best match of the first round. I mean, looking at the rest of those matches, I think it will be the best match. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's no question. And it's kind of a toss-up for me. I think it's probably going to be ACH uh, because he's, he's actually my pick, I think, to win the whole thing. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this is it's a toss-up. I wouldn't be – I mean, would I be stunned if TJP wins? I wouldn't be stunned. But uh, I, I think ACH would win because, I, again, he's my pick to win the whole thing. But uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing the match. These are two guys who – it's it's unbelievable. If I told you that this match was going to exist in, let's say, 2012, Joe, I'm going to tell you ACH versus TJP is going to be a match on on, the, on this Super J Cup. The match that they would have in 2012 is so much different than the match they're going to have in 2020 as they're now two grizzled old vets, you know, that just kind of slow things down a little bit and don't get too big for their britches and just kind of stay, you know, within themselves a little bit. I mean, they'll still pop up, so there'll still be some pretty cool stuff in this match. It's just, it's so unbelievable how, you know, how long we've a been doing the show, obviously, but then also you know the career path of both these guys and how they've kind of taken similar career paths uh, uh, as of late. And and twenty twenty has been a real cool year for both of those guys as as they've both officially kind of made their way into the veteran ranks of uh, of you know whatever roster they're on as as they're kind of the veteran hands that have been wrestling for a long time. ACH being the veteran hand is just, I mean, that's a mind fuck. TJP, he's been wrestling since he was fucking 18. You know what I mean? Like he's been in, in big spots, but ACH ascending to the veteran status is, is, is pretty wild. Yeah. But TJP has bad tweets. So you're supposed to pretend he's, bad. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, Ray horse <laughs> versus <laughs> Ray horse versus Blake Christian. This, I don't know. Oof, I'm not this could Horus be guy. real good or real shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I think, Christian will win because he's the at least he's been on strong and seems more like a New Japan guy than Horus does. And then we have Phantasmo versus Leo Rush, which is real interesting because you have the winner from last year, a guy who obviously has been away from New Japan because of COVID in Phantasmo. But Leo Rush, who has a lot of momentum and he's picking up a lot of hype coming into this thing. And he did an interview on New Japan's site saying that he's always wanted to wrestle in New Japan. And if there's a future for this guy in New Japan, Maybe he pulls the big upset because he'd have to be considered an underdog in this. Maybe he pulls the big upset in the first round, which is the attention-grabbing upset, and then goes on to win the whole tournament if they plan on using him moving forward. But I don't know if that's the case. Um, And he would be looking at a second-round matchup with Blake Christian, potentially, if he does beat Phantasmo, and they just wrestled at Game Changer, which is a match I want to briefly talk about in a second. But uh, what do you think about Phantasmo versus Leo Rush, the idea that Rush could be in line to uh, to maybe pull an upset here if he's got a future with the company. Yeah, that, that's a real interesting one. I have no idea. Leo Rush is, is so hard to predict of, of what's next for this guy. And he, he like there was the point earlier in the year where he was retiring again, and now he's unretired. You know what I mean? Like this guy's retired like three times at, at age 26. So it's hard to know like what his commitment level is. And if I'm New Japan, I guess I would need to, to really know what his commitment level is if we're going to do this. Because El Fantasma is the guy that the second you know restrictions are, are lifted, the second he's able to come back, he's back in that roster. And he's a pretty big deal in that roster 
uh, as well. So, you know, if you are going to do that, if you are going to have him pull that upset off, you you really got to know what you have in this guy. Hey, are you going to get bored again and go do music again? Are you going to retire again and do that? It seems, you know, this month, like he's back, you know, excited about wrestling again, but God only knows what, you know, the future holds for him. He's a little bit too much of a question mark for me. So if, if I'm them, I'd probably go with the safe bet and just have El, El Fantasma move on because he is a guy that's a pushed commodity that you will be bringing back once once things have kind of calmed down and and and, and are back to normal. So uh, I I like your idea, but I just I, I don't trust Leo Rush enough to, to 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 pull the trigger on that. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, and I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy, and let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car. If I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Joe, are you on mute? We've lost Joe. We'll see if we can get him back here uh, in a second. So, hello. Hi. We'll wait till, uh, hello, hello, talk about. Hello. There you are. Hey, there you I, are. I actually, I muted and went and took a piss, and I thought I could make it back in time. Oh, damn I it. I should have. I, I, I didn't. Usually, I get you. I usually understand when it's a piss take. I didn't know that was a piss. That's a, that's a weird one to give me on a piss take there, is the... Uh, 
<laughs> you talk about Leo Rush. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. Like, you're, but you're so long winded that it almost worked. We only missed it by like 10 seconds. Yeah, we did pretty good. But so I have no clue what you just said, but I'm sure it was very uh, engaging and interesting. Who did you pick to win the match? Uh, I picked uh, I picked El Fantasma. What I said uh, essentially was that I guess I have to repeat it for you because you weren't there. But... No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You can you can condense it. No, but, but I, all I'm going to say is I don't I don't trust Leo Rush. Not necessarily because like this guy's retired three times since he's been 26 years old. This guy yes. Uh, yes. three months ago was never going to wrestle again and only do music, and now he's back wrestling. So I don't I don't know what his, his level of of commitment is. If if he tells New Japan I am committed, I'm I'm coming to New Japan, New Japan in 2021 when things get ready, then I consider it. But right now I I, I don't trust him enough. So uh, I'm going El Fantasma with this one because he's a guy. Once the restrictions are lifted, he's back on that roster and he's a big part of New Japan's junior division. So I, it's risky. I like your idea, but it's a little too risky for me. So Game Changer had Slime Time or Slime Season, whatever. What was that show called? This I think it was Slime Time or, or Slime Season. Yeah, whatever. Something like that. In Vegas, and it was, you know, basically a fundraiser for the wrestlers on the show. You can It was free on YouTube, and you can donate money, in, and then they were going to split the proceeds with the wrestlers or whatever, which is fine and good idea and all that. Main event was Leo Rush versus Blake Christian. And... Leo Rush kind of debuted or re-debuted his Blackheart character. And he came out with a sort of a handler or a second who was like this contortionist guy. And he came out to one of what I'm assuming are one of his original uh, songs because he is also a musician. Mm -hmm. And the entrance was incredible. It was superstar stuff. Um, And it it was very impressive. I, I, you should, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely seek it out because I know that you would like it. But the way he was wrestling in the mat, it's like, okay, so then they went out there and they attempted to have like an NXT TakeOver style epic. Complete with Kevin Gill and Joey Janela whispering on commentary, how far are these men going to go? They've gone too far. I can't believe they're, this is way too much punishment. You know, and the melodramatics and because the story here was Leo Rush uh, had gotten beat, and he's now a Blackheart. And he's just out to injure and maim people, and he's lost his mind because of this loss. And he wanted to get revenge on Blake Christian, and and um, he was more interested in punishing Blake Christian and beating him. And it just went way too long. It would have fit right in on TakeOver. And they had good ideas. It's just in an empty arena setting. and. Just it came across so hokey, the match itself. And Blake Christian ended up winning after Leo Rush had a chance to take a pinfall, but he chose not to take it. And then Christian won with like whatever, a schoolboy or a roll up, whatever it was. You get the idea. And then Leo has a smile on his face, like the fiend style. Like he doesn't care that he lost Hmm. because he's Blackheart now. And Blake Christian is terrified of him. And he's butt scooting his way up the aisle to escape. This sounds terrible. The black heart. It was rich. You wanted GCW horrible. to tell you stories there. They told you a story, Joe. You happy? Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, at least, I at least give them credit for booking something. Okay? Because they never do. And a little further down the card, they had Ricky Shane Page against Juicy Fanu or Juicy Finale, however you pronounce his name. You know the guy I'm talking about. 
the guy that flew himself out to Indianapolis. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget, I forget how exactly how you pronounce the last name, but yeah, I know who it is. And he impressed them, and now he's a regular. So good for him. I don't mind. Like, a lot of people think, oh, if a wrestler flies himself out, he's a fucking mark. I don't buy that. I mean, make your own break. No, that's how you get your breaks, man. Yeah. I mean, Pete Dunn did that years ago. Remember, he came to Chicago and you forgot. You saw I do. Him live. Yeah, he was a fucking like 15 like, years old. And he was. <laughs> I saw fucking. Yeah, I saw like Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn wrestle when they were like 14 and 15 years old at Dreamwave Wrestling or whatever. And yeah, um, that, that dude flew himself to Indianapolis and made his own break. If he would have stunk, he wouldn't be getting booked. But they liked him. Yeah. And now he's getting booked. So good for him. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think he's a mark. I think he, he, he bet on himself, you know, to use that overused term. But the point here is Ricky Shane Page wrestled him. And again, I have to, because I always, I'm, I'm very hard on Game Changer. I'm going to praise them again because they did a little bit of booking for once. Ju- uh, Joey Janela pointed out on commentary that Juicy Finale is 0-2 in Game Changer. And therefore, this was not a title match. But if he beat Ricky Shane Page, he would then be in line for a title match. And then they actually had a pretty decent little match. I mean, you know, it was as good as Ricky Shane Page is going to be. And I think this Juicy Finale guy is a little green. And I, have a, some, he, I think he tries things that are a little too ambitious. But Ricky Shane Page beat him in a neat and tidy little 10-minute match, which is exactly what it should have been because he's the fucking champ. And Juicy Finale is the new guy who doesn't even have a win yet. So, in the interest of being fair, because I always bash Game Changer because I pretty much hate it, I thought they did a good job actually booking some things this weekend with the way that the Ricky Shane Page match was, was booked and then laid out. I thought they worked a very smart match for the circumstances. A couple of close near falls for the new guy, but in the end he falls and falls clean to the champion, which I think is important too. He's not good enough to where Ricky Shane Page has to cheat. You know what I mean? I like that. And then the main event, which didn't work for me, but at least they're telling a story with Leo Rush. Even if I thought it was the overindulgent NXT bullshit that I'm tired of. And as a result, I didn't like it. But I have to give them credit. They at least booked some things for once. The rest of the card pretty much sucked. Yeah. But <laughs> that's cool, though. Yeah. Hey. You know, the, the, the Alley Cat versus Kikutaro. Oh, my God. I would never, ever watch that, ever. Really challenged my Mimosa match for worst match of the year commitment. I, I really don't know what I'm going to do now. Because this was not only probably the worst match of the year, <laughs> it was one of the biggest pieces of shit that I've ever seen, wrestling or otherwise, in my life. It was so bad. Like, there was nothing redeeming or good about this. Yeah, I don't on paper, were... it sounds like incomprehensibly bad. And, and apparently well, it was in, in practicality, too. So in they reality. just didn't mesh. None of the comedy spots were. Ro- I don't even know what they were trying to do. I, I it was yeah, shitty in- indie comedy in front of no crowd sounds like fucking the seventh ring of hell. So yeah, I have no interest. But the thing is, Kikutaru is like good at that, and it was still abysmal. One of the worst things you will ever lay eyes on. Like it is just horrible. I've you know I, I mean, it's it. I can't even explain how bad this match was. It was horrendous, and. You know, the most of the I didn't see the whole show. Most of the rest of the show was pretty bad too. But I, listen, I have to be fair. Game changer is not my thing for reasons I've talked about a million times. But they attempted to do some booking on this show, 
So I wanted to make sure I brought that up. And I thought since Leo Rush and Blake Christian have a chance to have another match here this weekend, that was a good time to squeeze it in. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. Who's your pick to win this thing? I think ACH. Yeah, I, I think if I was going to kind of predict the whole, you know, if, if I was going to you know lay it down or do, do a pick em or something like that, what I would probably do is I said uh, I'd have Chris Bay over Carl Connors round one. I'd have ACH over TJP uh, to make that the semifinal. I'd have Blake Christian uh, beat Ray Horus. And I would have Phantasmo beat Leo Rush. I think I have Phantasmo beating Blake Christian to go to the final. And then I have ACH beating Chris Bay, uh, ACH Phantasmo final. And then I think I pull the trigger on ACH uh, as my winner. I'm going to be different. I think that that Leo Rush interview that they put out might have been a tip off. So why not be different? I think he upsets Phantasmo in round one. Um, Because I think that is the perfect guy for him to beat too. If you want him to make an impression, I understand your argument that he's hard to trust. A lot of retirements, a lot of I'm going to go do music now. Um, look, I get it. He just started on the challenge. I'd be worried about that too. He just started on like MTV's The Challenge. Like, does he become a big right. star in that too? Like, you never know. I just don't know. I don't know what the next. This guy every three months retires or unretires, or he's only going to do music now. He's only going to do wrestling now. I'm going to do this wrestling now. I'm retired again. Like, he literally had a retirement match like two months ago, right? Or two or three months ago on a fucking boardwalk. I was told that that was well, it for a Leo Rush. And he was never going to wrestle again. So Yeah, I thought so too. It was, it was allegedly the final match between him and Janela. And then to like close the chapter on that. And again, that was egregiously long in NXT style too, which kind of hurt that match. But he's still been working with Game Changers since. But you're right. It's like... And the thing is, like, pre-pandemic, before he got let go by WWE, he was having a hell of He was so good on 205 Live. Like, among the best wrestlers in the world good, I thought, on that show. And I think he's best. He's one of these weird guys who has done his best work in WWE. And that's very rarely the case. But I think them reining him in actually works for him. He right. can get overindulgent when he's on his own. And it's like... I think New Japan would be a good environment because, again, they would rein him in. Just look at Blake Christian's quality of work in New Japan compared to when he's outside New Japan. We've talked about it a million times. I mean, he's much better and much, you know, given the focus that he's given in New Japan, he's very good on strong. Then you put him in a scramble on a Game Changer show and it's like all his flaws become apparent. That's kind of like I think Leo Rush, I think working New Japan would be very good for him. But again, you know, you bring up valid points. Um, but who knows? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he'll I'm gonna pick him to, to pull the big upset. And if you're gonna do that, then he may as well win the whole thing. I mean, what's the point of doing that if then you don't win the tournament? So but ACH is a good pick too. We'll see. Phantasmo would be the boring pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really hope it's not him. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh I'd like almost any other pick but Phantasmo. And I, I I think that they're smart enough to not know, you know, to know not to go back to the Phantasmo. He doesn't need it anyway. I mean, obviously he won the prior year, doesn't need this one. I, I think it's gotta be it's gotta be a guy like an ACH, a Leo Rush, or if you have some sort of commitment from Chris Bay or you know, something like that would be pretty cool. But yeah, one of those if 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 not ACH, I think Leo Rush would probably be my number two, and then my, you know, unfortunate number three would probably be El Phantasmo. I feel like those three are a completely different level above the others in terms of who has a chance. Like Ray Horos has no chance of winning this. Blake Christian, I think, has no chance of winning this. Uh, yeah. TJP, I don't, I really don't think so. And then Clark no. Connors, yeah, no way in hell. So TJP, by the way, though, did we know he's in Japan soon because he sent a tweet to somebody and said, "Ah, oh, we're gonna be in Osaka soon, partying it up." So 
that kind of tipped off that they have him booked next year to be in Japan. Does that change your opinion at all? Um, not enough to think that I would have him win this entire tournament because I, I, I just yeah. don't think he needs it. I don't think that's really something that like, you know what I mean? Like at this point in TJP, he could just be a guy on the roster. TJP. I don't. I don't think you need to have. You know, Super J Cup 2020 winner TJP to really, you know, he's got enough accolades in his career. It's, it, you know, th- that speaks to itself. Like, I, I think it's such a, it's, it's a tournament that does have that prestige and it really can add to like someone's legacy. So I think like someone like an ACH to me would be perfect. Or like you said, if you want to shock everybody, you know, get Leo Rush in there and, 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 you know, that, cause he's still so fucking young too. It's unbelievable that like, you know, Leo Rush, I've been watching him on Indies for like eight years now and he's like, he's like, what, 26 years old at this point? 26, 27? It's, it's, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I cannot believe he's still I don't 26. Think I, just don't, I just don't think they'll push TJP that hard. But, that's what I mean. Um, yeah, that, that, like, this is a big thing to have the Super J Cup winner. You, you know, that, that's, you know, yeah. regardless of what you want to say, I mean, the lineage of the Super J Cup, yeah, it, you know, it's some ups and downs, obviously, through different years or whatever, but it's still a legacy thing. It's still a big-time tournament for New Japan, and if they want to promote it as a big deal, they'll promote it as a big deal. So I think it's got to go on a guy who you're really going to get behind as, 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 as a bona fide challenger, you know, for the title, and I think you can get that out of ACH. I guess you can get that at Leo Rush. You can obviously get that out of El Phantasmo. I just well, what it would tell you if ACH or Leo Rush win it, it tells you that they're they are going to be with the company and that they're behind them. Right, you're not gonna, right, right. You're not going to have them win that as a one off and just stick them on strong forever. So that would be a a stamp of approval on either one of those guys. And then we have Carl Fredericks and Ren Narita. Ren Narita, who's supposed to be on excursion, that kind of got fucked up, and they're facing Hikuleo and Kenta. So. We get to see Ren Narita, who was working some indie shots before the world fell apart. Uh, did a Bill P match that I saw, maybe one or two others, but has pretty much been, I don't know, in hiding, hiding away from COVID all this time. Yeah, there, there was one of those BPL, uh, the Beth Label Pro matches. I don't know why, but there was one day where I like woke up and I was like, I wasn't doing anything on a Saturday. And I was like, they had like an afternoon show and I was like, I gotta go, I'm going to go and. I'll go see Ren Narita. <laughs> like I got my, I got ready to get to my car, and I'm like, I'm not driving two, like three hours to go see Ren Narita. What am I doing? And I yeah. went back and yeah. just did something else with my day. But like, you know what I mean? Like it's that weird thing where you tr- you convince yourself, and then you get so close to the end that you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, for some reason, well, my brain was like, "Wow, oh, Ren Narita, you should go see him." <laughs> I was like, "It's Ren Narita." Like, <laughs> also, it's also a BLP show. Right, you right, right, to, right, right. You have to go to a BLP show, which is you know shitty enough. Um. Anyway, so that's Super J Cup. That'll be on Saturday, I believe. And we've got about 35 minutes. I think we're, I think we can do it. I think we got it. Yeah, we got it. If we, listen, we can't be bloviated. And there's really only one other thing on this show where I think we need to talk a lot about. And that would be this Noah the Best Final Chronicle show. And we'll skip right to the main event. Goshi Ozaki successfully defends the GHC title against Takashi Segura in 51 minutes and 44 seconds. And in quite the opposite of uh, the takeover matches that went 40 minutes plus, this match went 51 minutes. And I swear to you, Rich, it was a fucking breeze. Um, I thought this match was phenomenal. As most people know, I went the full five. I believe it is my new front runner for match of the year. I think it has overtaken Walter versus Ilya Dragunov as my match of the year. Because basically, this was a 51-minute version of Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. Um, not quite worked at the same pace, but with the same intensity and the same nastiness, but they went much longer and a much more important match for a more important title and a bigger building. So this, I believe, is my new front runner for match of the year. 
I thought this was phenomenal. I thought it was one of the best GHC title matches of all time. Obviously, that shouldn't be a shocking opinion. If I gave it five stars, uh, then that means I would have it in that class. I think this vaults Goshi Ozaki into the conversation for wrestler of the year, at least for me. And I've seen other people parrot that opinion, so I'm not alone. Um, he absolutely will be in my top five, will definitely be in my top three, and might be my overall wrestler of the year um, after what I've seen him do against Nakajima and now Takeshi Sagara. And uh, Sagara, for his part, is a 50-year-old man. That was a 50-year-old man in yeah, this match on the other side. Who uh, He's another guy who just does not age. And this was everything I want in a pro wrestling match. They kicked the living shit out of each other. I watched it live. I was tweeting through it. It felt like a legitimate shoot at various points because Segura was beating the shit out of this man in such an aggressive fashion. Um, it, it had not only just a great story within the context of the match they were having, but it expanded on Goshi Ozaki's long-running story of a champion just barely holding on, held together by tape. Someone's finally going to break this man for good but it wasn't going to be Takashi Segura on this night. There was the great spot where he picked up Segura for the go flasher, and it looked like he wasn't going to be able to get him up, and it looked like he was going to drop him. And I was like, it looks like they're going to botch this, but wait, they're doing this on purpose. He's struggling to get this guy up for the move, and this is like not almost a botch. They're, it's intentional. That's how deep and intricate the work here was. I just, it's just, I just thought it was an incredible match. One of the best world title matches I've ever seen. And that's, you know, you give a match five stars, that's the level it should be. And that's the level I thought it was. And I can't heap enough praise on this. You know, I, I, I was engaged every minute. I don't agree with the critiques that it, that you could have shaved some time. I, maybe, yeah, you know what? Maybe you could have. But all 51 minutes of this held my attention. So I don't think you have to. I, I don't know what else to say. I was blown away by the quality of this match. It was 3.30 in the morning, and I was pacing, standing and pacing in the den. I blew my own catchphrase. But I was standing and pacing in the den watching this at 3.30 in the morning, and um, it, it, it quite honestly was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Rich Krejci, what did you think? Yeah, I went five stars as well. Um just yes. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal man. And I'm I'm usually one and I've been critical this year of, of of overly long Noah main events and overly long Noah matches. This was not that. Like you're saying. This was this was 51 minutes. I was I, as I was watching, I, w- I woke up early to watch it on, on some morning. I got woken up kind of early because the nurse went to work or whatever. So I was like, "You know what? I got an hour, so let me, you know, get this match going." So so I watched it and I was so captivated and so into the match and just kind of watching it and losing track of time. I ended up being like way late for work that day because like I was just like I was sitting there watching it, not looking at the clock because I never thought, oh man, I you know I got to get ready to leave for work in an hour. I got to shower and, and get out of here for an hour. Like it took me on the entire fifty-one minutes, and when it was over, I went, holy shit, oh fuck! I thought that was like thirty minutes. God damn, what the hell? Like I you know I need to run. You know don't don't have time to pack a lunch. Just get out of the door and and, and go. Like I was late for work because I honestly truly believed that that match was only thirty minutes, and I could not believe when I looked at the clock and 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 an hour had passed or you know fifty minutes or whatever. I had passed. So yeah, that that's the big difference for me. Like, yeah, you could have shaved time off of it, but why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, there was no point in that match where I went, oh man, this is getting a little long in the tooth. It was, it, it just never reached that point. And to do that for 51 minutes, which is hard for any pro wrestler to do, 
any pro wrestler, any 60-minute match. I just, I actually just recently watched the Joe versus Punk, you know, 60-minute draw uh, match from Ring of Honor. Uh, I was doing something on the weekend. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to throw this match on while I'm, while I'm working on something. And that one, like we've always talked about before, it's just like there's just like spots where you're like, all right, let's go, guys. Like you, you're just stretching this out an extra 10 minutes because you have the opportunity to. Like let's, let, let, let's, you know, let, let, let's get things going here. I never once thought that with this match. I'd never at any point because it, you know, more than almost any other match that I've probably seen Honestly, maybe ever, and, and you kind of described it a little bit there. It's such a war between two guys, and it just it 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 just you you buy it as like you buy it as a shoot where these two just older veterans just went in there and beat the fuck out of each other for sixty minutes, and neither one was going to lie down for the other one. Neither one was going to give up, and they just they just beat on each other. They just you know there wasn't any big bombs being thrown. There wasn't any big no cells. There wasn't any big kickouts. They just progressively beat the fuck out of one another until finally Show said, all right, I'm going to put you away. He goes to put him away. Segura, you know, kicks out, has one little bit of burst of power where he goes, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to beat you. Da, 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 da. And then, like, you know, Shiozaki just drops his ass and pins him, you know, and pins him in a very, you know, in a manner like, I'm super exhausted. I can't wait for this match to be over. And I know you're dead now. So I'm just going to kind of pin you casually and it's going to be over. And, and like, yeah, I, I, I don't think this match needed to be shorter. I think, I, I think it was exactly the length it needed to be. I think it exactly worked how you, it should have been worked, and yeah, it, your 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 2020 will not be complete without watching this match. It 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 at no point do you remember that the fans can't make noise or can't do anything but clap because it just doesn't even it doesn't even need fans. It doesn't even need that. There's so much story being told in the match, and those guys you're just living and dying through their every move and their every sell and their everything like you know. So you don't need the crowd anyway. The crowd's insignificant to this match. You need Goshiozaki and Segura. You only need those two guys, and yeah, just an absolute war and just two veterans. Just laying everything they have on the line, putting it all on the line, beating the fuck out of each other, and and and, and Goshiozaki proves, yeah, you got me real close, but not close enough. I'm still the champion. I'm still held together by tape, but I'm still the champion. And 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 yeah, just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal match. That yeah, the, you, you, I, you you might know that it's 51 minutes, but I promise you, when it's over, you will not. It will not feel like it was 51 minutes. It just won't. It, it there's, look, the match itself was great. The intensity, the violence, all of that that we've talked about, the nastiness to it, the story of the match was great. The long-term story of Goshiozaki being weaved into the story of this match was great. All of those traditional things that I love in a pro wrestling match were there. But I want to propose something to you, and I want you to think about this because I've been thinking about this. I think there's something to be said for a match happening at the right time as well. And this is what I mean by this. We've been very down on pro wrestling this year. New Japan isn't giving us what we want in the main event scene with all the interference and whatnot. NXT with all of this melodramatic, uh, exhausting style that they bring to the table. You've got stuff like The Fiend and whatever the fuck that is, and cinematic matches, and it's just so much of pro wrestling has been letting us down and not being anything close to resembling what we want out of pro wrestling. So when you have a match like this, which is the complete opposite of all of these things that we eye roll and complain about week in, week out on this show, and it swings so far in the other direction, of what we miss in pro wrestling. That it just hits different. 
Maybe if this match took place in another place in time, the same match, we'd still think it was great. But maybe we wouldn't think it was five stars, match of the year, one of the best title matches I've ever seen great. But because we're so hungry for great wrestling right now, and because we're so tired of shitty wrestling everywhere, that when we did get a match like this, it elevated it another level because it just happened to be at the right place at the right time for what we have been looking for in pro wrestling. I know that's the case for me, but I've lumped you in now that I've heard your opinion on the match, and that's why I say we. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's some truth to that? Do you think it matters when a match happens? Absolutely. And what what else you're getting in your entertainment and in your wrestling in terms of how much you're going to enjoy something? Oh, certainly, and and I can I can give you an exact example that I had uh, just you know honestly a few weeks ago, what about a month or so ago, you know the Kaito Ishida Okuda match from um uh, what was it Dangerous Gate for Dragon Gate that I went five stars on, and you were like, yeah, it was good, you know, really really good match. I really liked it, Rich, but like I wasn't that, but like that day I had like a real crappy day. It was just kind of a lot of stuff was going on. It was kind of annoying. I think that morning I watched some shitty New Japan main event with a bunch of, it was 30 minutes with a bunch of run-ins or whatever. And then I, I'm like, all right, you know what? Let me watch this Dangerous Gate thing and then this Dragon Gate match. And and I get Okuda and, and, and Ishida and they go in there and, you know, in nine minutes they just beat the fuck out of each other at the bell. They're just scraping and killing each other. And, and it was, and I think I even, I think I honestly even maybe tweeted it out. I'm trying to find the exact tweet that I had where I just said like, that's a five-star match for me. I understand there might be people that aren't, but it hit me at the exact right time. Oh, yeah, here we go. I said, I'm willing to be talked off this ledge, but holy shit, Bravegate, Okuda versus Yoshida may be my favorite match of 2020. Everything I wanted out of my wrestling was there. Dumb jock spots, stiff strikes, clean win, no, fighting at the bell, not needlessly long, easy five stars, and now in my match of the year combo. And and I think I talked about it uh, with you on the show, too. It just hit me at that... Re- it was like that day I had watched a bunch of crappy wrestling before that. I had had a bad day, and I watched these two dudes just lay it on the line, all bravado, just go out and just have a fucking match. Just go out there and have a match, and it was nine minutes, and they beat the fuck out of each other, and I was like, that was perfect. That's exactly what I wanted on that day and and I come back with it you know other people saying like yeah Rich that was that was a good match you know what I mean like I'm the only one that goes five with it I'm the only one that really thought like oh my god what, a, what an incredible incredible match and and it's absolutely about how it hits you on that certain day you know when you watch something that you know I, I'm I know for a for a fact that day I'd watched some wrestling that bored the shit out of me or that I didn't like or I watched some WWE pay-per-view that annoyed the hell out of me and then I watched that match and I was like yes that is what I want out of wrestling that right there it yeah it's all about when it hits you so I don't think you're wrong at all for saying that. I I, yeah. I, I I really do think there's truth to that for sure. Yeah, I think all of that stuff factors in. You know, it's just wrestling has been such a letdown in so many ways in 2020. Yeah, life's been a and fucking there- letdown this year, to be honest. So anytime I can sink my teeth into anything, it's pretty awesome. But every time I turn on Noah, this is what you, this Goshiozaki title reign, which is going, it's starting to go down as a legendary title reign. You know, and his whole N1 run with you know the weakened arm and everything and man it's just it just it just really hit right in the current wrestling landscape we're in where so much of pro wrestling is struggling right now i mean and and coming off of you know the AEW title change that i wasn't thrilled with and it's just like fuck finally here is a match that not only is legitimately great, but it's just giving me everything I want yeah. in my pro wrestling. You know, and I think that that is part of the reason why I'm so high on it. Not that 
we have like the oddball opinion here. I mean, this is like consensus. I haven't seen anybody say, ah, you know, that wasn't so hot. I mean, there's people who are like the low mark on this is like four, four and a quarter. Like everyone acknowledges that this is great. There are some people who think it was too long. That's the biggest and really the only critique I've seen that it was too long, which when a match is 51 minutes, I can't kill you. No, you, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I think it was too long. You know, it's like um, grapple as we speak. Four point seven two. Wow, Rich, that's big boy territory. Four point seven two is big boy territory. Let me see uh, cage match. I wasn't prepared to look up ratings, but now I'm curious. Um, yeah, this is a legitimate match of the year contender. I think this has a chance to win. I mean, it's going to have the advantage of recency too. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to win our. I, I don't think it's going to win our ballot at all. But I think it's going to be top ten. Know. I think it's going to be top ten. I think I think that's a bridge too far to expect Noah. Nine point five. Wow, on yeah. cage match. We'll see. Rich, people love this. Match. I'm ready for it, man. I'm ready for it to shake things up. Get New Japan out of the top spot this year in, in match of the year. I still think they're probably going to do it or AEW. You know that Revolution tag or something like that or something from AEW. Uh, the Revolution there, tag. Naito Okada, um, those would have to be the favorites. This is at a disadvantage because it's Noah, and a lot of people won't watch it. But the people who did watch this, this is a match of the year contender yeah. if you watch. Yeah, universally loved by like people that matter. <laughs> you know, people with opinions that I that I care about. I, I think wow. one, one thing. Well, I'm just saying. Sad. Secretly oh, sassy you. coming out. <laughs> one thing I was gonna say too uh, about that this. Matter. <laughs> What the fuck? Holy shit. All right. You heard it here, folks. If you didn't like this match, you don't, <laughs> you don't matter. matter. right? <laughs> Love it. Uh, one thing I was going to bring up, too, which was cool about this, is I, I think one one thing with like matches that really hit you in, in this year in particular, in 2020, when you, you watch a match and you're just like, fuck, that match was great, or oh, that's great. you know, Because this year has been filled with so many excuses for why stuff sucks. You know what I mean? And I'm not calling out any one company in particular. Every company's had their, their, their good and their bad. Noah's had some, one of the, my least favorite matches the entire year featured, you know, go Shiozaki. And it was a Noah main event that went 40 minutes or whatever. Like what? And, and, and so many is like, well, what are you going to do? There's no fans or, Oh, the fans can't make noise. You got to maybe do this or, Oh, the wrestlers are this or that. It's been a year where every time something's bad, Instead of just saying, you know what, that fucking sucked. We're always looking for excuses, hunting for the reason why things suck. When, you know, it's a year where things fucking suck. And you can say something sucks this year. A lot of shit sucks this year. A lot of stuff sucks. And if a wrestling match stinks, it stinks. You don't have to come up with a thousand excuses. Oh, it's because of this or it's because of that. So that when a match hits, especially in this year, it's like, look, you can have, wrestling can be great. The, 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 the art of wrestling can be incredible, and you can tell an incredible story, whether there's zero fans, whether there's a hundred fans, whether there's a thousand fans, whether fans can make noise, whether they can't make noise. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's all about what guys do when they get in the ring, when the bell rings, and how they construct a match. And, and you saw it here. It didn't matter that there were no fans. It's just an incredible match, whether there was 30,000 people in, the, in that arena Ten people or zero in that arena, it wouldn't have mattered because those guys were good. So it's it's like when stuff hits, it's like, yeah, what am I making these dumb excuses for? Good wrestling is great, you know. Great wrestling is great no matter what year or whatever context it's in. And 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 this is a match, and and there's quite a few matches this year that prove that yeah, all the excuses in the world they they don't really hold 
when when great wrestling is great, it's it, it's great regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, it could be overcome. It could be overcome. Um, KG Muto is your next challenger. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna win. He's barely get in the win. ring. He saunters down to the ring with his fucking eighth. 18 knee surgeries later he's one leg is is clearly like four feet longer than the other at this point he's just you know it all it all adds up now i mean he beat kato kiyomiya and people wondered why and it just makes too much sense that he would now be be the one to beat go which is a shame and then kiyomiya then beats muto for the title and not only just getting his win back from when Muto beat him, but symbolically beating a legend to kick off what will really be Kiyomiya's keynote title reign. The first one was just to establish him at the level. And he didn't really come across like an ace. He'll come across like an ace on the next one because he's greatly improved his presence and his charisma and his confidence, which is the most important thing. So I feel like that's what we're going to do here. Would I do it that way? I would not. They feel like they need Muto to fill that building. It's a half attendance anyway. And they're not going to fill it anyway. They can't even fill those smaller buildings that they're running. So they're trying to they're trying to run before they can walk here, number one. And I would not do this. I quite, would just li- have quite to- literally in Muto's case there too, by the way. So. Yeah. And I mean, I would just go, I would have, if, if Kiyomiya is going to be the guy, I would just have him beat Sh- uh, Goshiozaki because Goshiozaki is having such a legendary run here that I think you get enough of a rub from being the one to end it. But, I, look, I get it. It's like, I don't think Keiji Muto makes a difference at this stage, though. No. It doesn't make a difference. They just keep going back to these guys. But look, that'll be like, uh, if my plan does play out, and I feel like that would be logical based on what we've seen, that that's what they're doing. But who knows? Maybe Go will beat Muto. But if I were betting on this today, I'd bet on Muto, which is kind of silly and sad and weird. But if it's Kiyomiya who then beats him, it then it, at least all of the booking makes sense, even if I disagree with it. Yeah, right? it just seems like such it's such a wet fart of a way to end what's been an incredible. Like you said, like you you make a legitimate case for Go Shiozaki as wrestler of the year, and 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 it oh, would yeah. not and it wouldn't be a bad case. Like like I don't know if he'd be my pick, but if you went on the show and, and said, Rich, for the next twenty five minutes, I'm going to tell you why Go Shiozaki is the wrestler of the year. I'm pretty sure when it was done, I, I'd be like, you know what, Joe, you're, you're, you you have a hell of a case there for Go Shiozaki as rest of the year. I don't think it'd be that hard. You might be able to do it in 10 minutes, for God's sake. For that to end with fucking 56-year-old, whatever the hell old, without any knees or hips or anything, Keiji Muto, in what I cannot imagine being a good match. <sighs> just to kind of get us to Kiyomiya is, is, is tough. Just skip the line and have Kiyomiya beat Go Shiozaki. You know, this is a... Or have go, you know, have a nice establish this run a little bit more with this guy who's never, as we've always said, we talked about it this, you know, a few weeks ago, a guy that's never had like a definitive run in his career ever. And he feels like his career is missing that. And he's finally on it and he's got it. Just have him do it. 
he'll get there and then Kiyomiya can beat him, right? Like this, Yeah, that's what I listen, that's what I would do because I again I don't think Muto makes a difference in this the big is building. So think, yeah, that this is just needless nostalgia. And and what's this the is a, last big house that Muto has drawn? I don't know. Like, why? Yeah, I don't yeah. You know, it's it's you know, I don't know. I, I but I feel like they think they need the old guys if they're gonna run the big building. So it's like they, they can go there. They can hang out. He can hang out in the undercard. He can go fucking team with Nosawa and shit if he really wants. I just but... don't, look. They're not selling that building out either way. No, no. Maybe the hat. Maybe the. Ha- I don't even think. I don't even have confidence. People are not. That. People are not tripping over themselves to go to a fucking crowded building in Japan right now to go watch Keiji Mudo. You know, go for a title. I, I. I think that's ridiculous. So yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're doing. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Let's go through this card quickly because I want to get all. I'm determined to get yeah, this yeah, topic. Yeah. Uh, Kenya Okada defeated uh, Yasutaka Yano in the opener. Basic uh, young boy opener here at one seven minutes. We had uh, Atsushi Katoge and Daisuke Harada with Junta Miyawaki. They defeated the Congo team of Heyo, Neo, and Tarasuke. Um, I was mildly surprised by that, but you know it's 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 not that big of an upset. Um, just because Miyawaki was on one side, I was mildly surprised. Then we had uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima coming off his title loss, was kind of cycled down here on the card. He was with Manabu Soya and Masakitamiya, the Congo team here, and they defeated a full throttle team of Hajime Ohara, Saiki Yoshioka, and Yohei. Nakajima, of course, scored the pin. He looked dominant, so they kind of gave him his heat back, so to speak. He basically just kicked Ohara's ass and pinned him, and yes, it was Ohara that took the pin. Um, so he continues to be in whatever doghouse that he's in. This new regime is just not interested in pushing O'Hara at all. So um, Nakajima gets a very strong – he did the gimmick because I know you didn't watch the undercard, Rich. Nakajima did the old Shibata gimmick where he pinned the guy and then just you know stormed out of the ring and left. Like, <laughs> this, like this is all beneath me. Yeah, yeah. well, know? it is. I mean, to be fair, it, it really is. Yeah. And then we had uh, the, the business end of the card. Junior tag team title match, Hayata and Yoshinari Ogawa successfully defend against Kataro Suzuki and his new friend, uh, the the Oriente fella, who turns against Suzuki oh. in this match in the Rich Krage special. I am going to fight my new friend <laughs> for 15 minutes and then do the turn. I know you hated this, so go ahead. Oh, fucking garbage. Yeah, I, I can't. So I was given the choice, or I, I, I gave myself a choice. I'm going to watch the Real World Tag League Finals, which you did. We'll talk about briefly. Uh, or I'm gonna watch this match, and I decided I'm gonna watch this match. And then when it was over, I went, "Why did I watch this match? What a just not very good." Ogawa was cool. Kataro Suzuki is cool. I like him. Hayata, I'm kind of eh on. And the Orienta, he, he yeah, Hayata stinks. And I thought, I thought Orienta was was pretty bad in this match too. And he's he, been bad. He's been terrible. And then he, he's had two matches, and they've both been bad. Right. And then he unveiled himself to be Yuya Susumu. Who I, I don't. Am I supposed to care who that is? Like. Yuya Susumu, who the detectives last week figured out that it was him right. based on a mole on his back, which is just incredible. Um, so he unmasked as Yuya Susumu after the Rich Crate special. Is that I something we're that supposed to care about, though? I mean, I don't think anyone cares. Okay. Because uh, they were done is like, oh, it's Yuya Susumu. It's like, okay. That was the first of three turns in the span of five minutes because then Ogawa and Hayata welcome this uh, Susumu fella into their uh, graces and then Nosawa hops in the ring for some reason. <laughs> what are we doing? And he's like, yeah, this is all good. But then but then Nosawa attacks Ogawa and beats him up and then he leaves with a very confused Katero Suzuki 
who who's trying to figure out what Unity's in. Like, where am I? Who am I with right now? <laughs> I don't blame him because I'm confused. Join the fucking club. Because... Yeah, join. Dude, I have no no fucking clue who's with who anymore. I have no idea what no, the stables are. I I have I've completely lost it at this point, and, and I and I legitimately to the point where yeah, you like you're right. Katara Suzuki, I think at the end was just like. So who am I with? Like, you like, well, he, he was just waking up from being attacked by his partner, and then and then Nosawa's like shaking his hand and leaving with him, and he's like, "All right, well, I'll leave with you." And I think Susumu is still with Stinger. <laughs> I, it, it's every show. It's with this so nonsense. ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's gotten to the point of parody. It's it, it, it's pretty wild. Yeah, but this Susumu has not been good. He he has not made a good first or second impression. I thought he was real bad. He looked like shitty as fuck, especially in the and ring with fucking bad. Ogawa and Kataro Suzuki. These two like all time greats, and and yeah, he's like soft as fuck. He's like missing Hurricane Rana's. It's just it's it's it it, it it yeah, it was not good. It was really sloppy wrestling out of him. He looked better in this match than he did in his first match. Oh, and that's not good. He he look, he's a low level indie guy, and he's showing it. I mean, it's it's he's got a lot. He's got a long ways to go. Um. To uh, to impress me, and you know, I don't know if that's gonna make the Freedoms fans mad at us, Rich. I'm sure it will. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but that's just the truth. I mean, he he looks like, he doesn't look like he's he belongs in Noah through these first two matches. And look, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I know anything about him, or because I don't watch Freedom shows. You couldn't pay me enough. I mean, there isn't a Patreon tier that exists that can get me to watch Freedoms on a regular basis, but um. You know, I'm not sitting there watching uh, J-Stage and Freedoms, for God's sake. I mean, I, I do have my limits. But the, the, his first impression on me, not good. And it feels like he doesn't belong in Major League Wrestling. Um, Kano versus Kazushi Sakuraba. I fucking love this. Am I crazy? No, I liked it too. I, I, I thought you were going to hate it too. The finish stunk. I, I did not like the finish. But the, everything until the – literally the – ten. so it went 10 minutes and 3 seconds. I think I liked 10 minutes of this match a lot. And then three seconds of it, I, I, I thought was kind of stupid. People are mad at the finish. The only thing I'm mad about with the finish is Sakuraba's shoulders weren't down. Right. But the, but the idea of the finish, I the thought The idea of the cool. finish was fine, but it felt like fucking Sakuraba doing Sakuraba shit where he never he's wants to actually good. look like he's losing. Oh, I see what you're saying. You could be right about that. I, so, that's what it struck me as. And I was like, fuck you, dude. You're fucking Sakuraba. Like, get out of here. I'd fire his I ass. I just figured he's not that skilled, and he couldn't keep nah, his shoulders he knows, down. He knows but... how to keep his fucking shoulders down. That that was clearly old man doesn't want to you know take the to do the job, so he's gonna you know take that's classic one two three sit up you know type stuff out of, out of me or the kick out at three type stuff is how I, I maybe I'm wrong. That's how I interpreted it, which you kind could of be right. Listen, me, so. you could definitely be right. There's definite possibility, but I love Cano's fire. I loved his fire in the build up to the match. I loved his fire at the start of the match. I love the way they wrestled this yeah, match. Oh, Sakuraba, I got to tell you, Sakuraba, ever since right before the N1, has been pretty damn good. He was for the working last his ass off of the match. He was fast. Like, I could not believe I was like, dude, you have this in you. That's awesome. Like, because he was working like, you know, boom, 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 boom. Like, it, it was, again, it wasn't laying on the mat lazily, you know, putting in hold. It was like, you know, let's fucking strike each other. And I, I like that a lot. I, I'll always take that. Yeah. So Kano um, retains the national title, and he's just always so much fun. Um, one of one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, Daiki Anaba, Keito Kiyomiya, Shuhei Taniguchi, and Yoshiki Inamura defeat M's Alliance. I was genuinely surprised by this. Uh, with Muto, Funaki, Marafuji, and uh, Yuko Miyamoto on the other side. Inamura, Rich, he looked like a beast in this match. And I'm watching this live thinking, man, 
They've got something within Amora. I love the – and then he ends up scoring the fall yeah. winning the match. Oh, that was awesome, yeah. And now he's getting pushed. So they're, they're pulling the trigger on Inamura, which I think the way he looked in this match, absolutely a good move. So this wasn't about Kiyomiya. This wasn't about the olds, although Funaki looked good again. I thought Funaki looked good again. So if they want to keep bringing him in for the big shows, no problem with Masakatsu motherfucking Funaki. Um, but Inamura clearly positioned to be the star of the match as his push gets kicked off. No, this is really cool. Yeah, he had a, the, the one spot where he, I forget who he, I think it was Miyamoto, uh, that he just fucking shoulder-blocked this guy into the corner and fucking killed him. Oh, my God, it was great. And I was like, make this guy win right now. Like, when, when that spot happened, I was like, that dude needs to win this match. And, and I loved it when he did. I was, I was shocked that he did it, too. So, yeah, that, they got a guy. They got a guy, for sure, if they want to. And we'll, we'll see oh, where the next potential few, there. There, there. There's it, a guy there. There's, there's a thing there, for sure. I don't know for sure, but I, the, the potential... It, there's definitely potential with this dude. Anaba's a guy I haven't done much since he came over no, from Russell One. Yeah. Um, may, maybe his time will come. And then, of course, was the title match. So, pretty good show. I mean, the main event was by far the best thing about it, of course. The rest was pretty good. I thought the national title was the second best match. And the Inamura thing, I think, is the third big takeaway. The fact that he got a, a big win in the, in the semi-main event and is now on his way to what looks to be a push. So another good Noah show. Noah the best. Yeah, I agree with that. Noah is the best. <laughs> yeah, Noah's really working for you right now. Yeah, it's it good. Really is. No, you can see your teeth and do uh, it for right now. It's it's pretty cool, except for the juniors because that 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 whole yeah, that whole thing. But anyway, yeah, it's a disaster. Rich, we are not going to get through everything, but we can get to one more topic. I don't know if we need to overrun. I don't know what needs to happen. Let's just keep going. And we see can go. We happens. can go like ten minutes over. Let, let's do that. We can do ten minutes over. Triple Mania is on Saturday. Big weekend, which means it's going to be a big show next week. We got a lot of reviews to do. Plus, final gates. I think we got to preview that next oh, week. Shit, you're right. Yeah. And plus, we have uh, all these shows that we have previewed. Impact. Two New Japan shows. Um, Triple Mania. My God, next week is going to be a huge show. Um. So here's the Triple Mania lineup, and let's go through it from the prelims and then work up. We've got Maximo and then the uh, cult favorites, Mr. Iguana and Nino Hamburguesa, and they are taking on the uh, the undercard heel unit of Carta Brava Jr., Moco Cota Jr., and Tito Santana. Not that Tito Not Santana. Not that Tito Santana. Yeah, I just uh, I do right. want to point out as well. Uh, by the time most of you listen to this, the live listeners, that is not true. But the rest of you, when you listen to this, I will have a preview up uh, at voiceofwrestling.com by Lucha Blog. The Cubs fan will have a preview for us. So nobody nobody covers Lucha quite like uh, Cubs fan Lucha Blog. Nobody does it better. So we'll have a preview uh, from him up uh, in the morning. So by the time most of you guys listen to this. So that's that undercard heel unit that's seemingly always on these AAA shows. I am looking forward to this because um, I am in the mood for some wacky and wild triple a and i am going to watch the fuck out of this show this weekend because i haven't seen any triple a i don't think anybody has no yeah I'm, I'm ready for colors i'm ready for you know fake vuvuzelas I'm, I'm ready for yeah i'm ready for noise and colors well, I, don't think I don't think there's any crowd rich well like i i said fake oh fake is oh yeah, yeah right. they're gonna definitely pipe the <laughs> it might sound terrible but i'm in i'm ready for it yeah i want colors i want smoke i want psycho clown yeah i'm, I'm here for it I'm ready for this goofiness and, and, and pure debauchery that we haven't seen since Lucha Fighter, which was a nice little, you know, 
four-part tournament they did in April. It wasn't true um, AAA, though. It was a little more grounded, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, you're right. It, it wasn't. This is going to be true AAA. Yes, yeah. This year. Do they, are they going to have fans? I mean, they're in a regular I don't building. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because Mexico, they're like a bigger disaster. Yeah, than we I, I think, I don't think they're uh, running this in front of fans. So. AAA World Tag Team Titles, three-way Lucha Brothers versus El Tejano Jr. and Rey Escorpion and Mysticis Jr. and Octagon Jr. So you know exactly what that's going to be. Uh, three-way wackiness for the tag team titles. We've got the uh, ladies Copa Triple Mania match: Fabi Apache, Lady Shani, Chick Tormenta, Lady Maravilla, La Hiedra, and Hades. Then there is a six-man tag team match: Blue Demon Jr., El Hijo de L.A. Park, and L.A. Park against the Psycho Circus, Monster Clown, Murder Clown, and Psycho Clown. Where the fuck is Dave the Clown? <laughs> oh, you're right. Where is Dave the Clown? Where's Dave the Clown now? They never use him when they use the three. I get it. He's the fourth clown. But where the fuck is I like Dave the Clown. I am an unironic Dave the Clown fan. And I'm very disappointed by this development. Uh, we have the tag team match with the Marvel characters. Nobody really knows what that's going to look like or who it's going to be. Yeah, apparently under- there's some uh, Americans. And apparently, I, I don't know what's going on with that thing. Yeah, it's very strange. So, And then the top end of the card, AAA mega heavyweight title, Kenny Omega versus Laredo Kid. Um, it doesn't seem like AAA gives a shit whether Kenny Omega holds this title or not. I would expect him to retain so he and Callis can continue doing this belt collector gimmick. Yeah, which, which I think we need to preface this before. We've, we've probably done it in every one of our Hall of Fame episodes, and I, I think Cubs fan will do it in his preview as well. We get a lot of American fans that are like, it's bullshit that Kenny has the AAA title and he doesn't. Like, they don't care they about don't titles. Care. They don't okay. give a shit. A lot of times, titles, they just don't, they forget about them. They just don't even exist. And it I becomes a nice hilarity of, does this man still have this title or not? And it's like, nah, he probably sold it or it's probably in his closet or something like that. Like, they don't give a shit. It'd be nice if they did. It would and be I'm great. Sure yeah. AAA fans were cared, but they don't necessarily look. It's, He'll semi-main event every time he comes down there to defend it, but it's not like, you know. So, I think he'd have a really good match with Laredo. Yeah, here's, here's, here's a little note that comes from his uh, preview. It says, four of the champions in AAA, including secondary champion Daga, are either under a Marvel mask or left off the show entirely. They yeah, don't care. Well, that tells the story. It's, <laughs> yeah. And then the main event, of course, is the big hair versus hair match. Chessman versus Pagano. So, um, I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm sure a lot of people will severely overrate it if it's even close to being good. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem to have that same, you know, the past years, and I get it, you're in front of no fans, and it's in a weird year, but it, I, I don't know. For me, on the outside looking in, is not like a, a big-time Lucha guy. It's it, You know, there's no Dr. Wagner, there's no Blue Demon, there's no Psycho, you know. Blue it's, Demon is on the show. No, I mean like in the main event. I mean in that main oh, event. The main event. Like, like you know, the Triple Mania main events are always like this big moment and it's like gets match of the year level, you know, love and, and some years yeah. it, it belongs and some years it's deserved. This one, I don't know. I'm, I I have a tough time getting super, super into, you know. Pagano and, and, and Chessman, especially only I, hair versus hair. It's like, the, you're not invested in the Chessman, Rich, and no, his big hair versus hair cruncher? No, no. I'm shocked. Yeah, as a as a guy parachuting in, I could see why Rich wouldn't be uh, fired up about this. I get it. Hair so, versus uh, hair is tough, because it's like, match versus match, there's always like, oh, man, we're going to, it's like, I don't really care that Pagano's going to lose his hair again. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, does he wrestle with a buzz cut anyway most of the time, or a lot of the time? Or maybe I just saw him after <laughs> Hair vs. Hair match that he lost. Like, Hair vs. Hair doesn't have the same, you know what I mean? It doesn't have the same. Oh, of course not. No, Mass vs. Mass, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I understand. 
I'm looking forward to the show, though. It'll be a change of pace. And uh, it's been too long since I've seen some AAA, so definitely check it out. We'll review it next week. Rev Pro Epic Encounter 6 was this week. It was the kickoff of the Southside Championship Tournament, which for some reason has people mystified, Rich. They can't understand the idea of a double elimination bracket. Yeah, okay. Do you, find this, do you find this difficult to understand? I don't I do find it difficult, but I find the way that Rev Pro is doing it difficult. They're calling it Block A and Block B. Call it the winner's bracket and the loser's bracket. Every, yeah. I think everybody in the world can understand that. For some reason, I they're agree. going by blocks, and it's like they're not blocks. <laughs> they're, they're... I, I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, I still think you have to be especially stupid if you're confused by this. Because they put a graphic on the screen after every match showing the guy who lost yeah. going into the other bracket. It's very self-explanatory. Um, should be called winners and losers bracket? Yes, it should be. Is it as confusing as people are making out to be? No, it is not. But this speaks again. Maybe it's just people who aren't sports fans who are just unfamiliar with the concept or something. Whereas we would be more familiar with something like this and it's easier. I don't know. I just I don't think it's that difficult. But um, at any rate, I don't think this was a great epic encounters. It definitely is in the lower end of the six that they've had. Um, but, you know, it was the start of the tournament. I thought the main event was pretty good. I thought it was the best women's match yet. I thought the Giselle Shaw Bobby Tyler match was the best women's match they've had on these shows yet. I will say that. Yeah, a lot of good back and forth. It was it was it was worked at a, a pretty fun pace too. Because some of those Giselle Shaw matches, and, and largely not because of Giselle Shaw, unfortunately, because of some of the other people uh, in the ring, it does seem kind of like it. It, it kind of grinds to a halt for a little bit. Whereas this had a nice fun pace to it, and they they they, they didn't overstay their welcome. So I, I, I'm with you. I like this one a lot. And then Dan Maloney beat Ricky Knight Jr. Those were the basically the two favorites booked against each other. But, you know, that often happens in tournaments because you need a main event. So uh, you need a match with a little bit of juice. That's what they went with. I think Dan Maloney is as good a pick for most improved wrestler as anyone on the he planet. He was good as hell in this match. Yeah, and I thought this guy was a dud a few years ago or even a year Absolute ago. Absolute jag. I thought he was the jaggiest of jags in NXT UK, a nothing wrestler. And he has been nothing but impressive on these shows. He's improved his physique. And you as a body guy, I know I've taken note of that. Oh, yeah. And his wrestling has just been... I love how Rich now doesn't even deny it. He just goes, oh, yeah. Oh, it's an effort. I'm and an effort. I'm an effort guy, but that's fine. And his wrestling he put effort has in. been I will very give you good on these definitely put effort in. We always throw roses at the Rev Pro booking. Can I critique it for a second? Sure. Does it Why involve Mad Kurt? <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. Why did Dan Maloney lose to Mad Kurt? What was the point of that? Like, I don't understand. It may, it's like, I understand it's supposed to be a fluky win and all that banana peel. But if Dan Maloney's going to be a serious player in this tournament, why did he lose to Mad Kurt going into it? Why didn't why not keep him undefeated? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that the reason why was for the heat at the end of this match where he comes down and he tries to tell Ricky Knight Jr., I know how to beat Dan Maloney. And Ricky Knight Jr. says, get the hell out of here. Go away. And then that's that moment of lapse is when Dan Maloney kind of pounces on, uh, on Ricky Knight Jr. So I guess it was for that moment, but I probably could have found a better way to tell that story without, you know, having to take right. a loss to, Rick, uh, to, to Mad Kurt. You're right. And I agree, but it still sucks. Yes. How yes. About How about Dan Maloney just beats Mad Kurt, or better yet, doesn't even wrestle him, and then just beats Ricky Knight Jr.? Yeah. Why do we need the Mad Kurt involved? See, I don't like that. Um, so, anyway, your winners here Joel Redman, Rob Lias, and Charlie Sterling, along with Dan Maloney, they remain in the winner's bracket. 
So they still have two lives to live. And in your loser's bracket are Screwface Ahmed. <laughs> what can you tell me about? I have not had the pleasure of watching Screwface Ahmed. What, oh, can, he, what can you tell me about Screwface couple, Ahmed? No, Screw, yeah, Screwface had a couple shots in NXT UK before the pandemic. So apparently he's no longer with NXT UK. I don't think he was a contract guy anyway, but um, he's back on the indie scene. And uh, Brendan you, Oh, I was going to say, what'd you make of the uh, the burials of uh, Shaw Samuels on this show? Oh, we're going to get to that. Is that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, or is that? No, we're going to get to that. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I wanted to get through this, and then we'll. So then Brendan White, also in the loser's bracket with Chuck Mambo, and uh, as we mentioned, Ricky Knight Jr. Ricky Knight Jr., I believe, is facing Brendan White on the next show, so you can kiss Brendan White goodbye. And then either Mambo or Screwface will be eliminated as well. And then, of course, the winner's bracket. I don't remember what the matchups were. Uh, Joel Redman, I thought, looked impressive against Screwface. Um, Brendan White, you had to figure, was going to be two losses and out. But that's how the tournament's shaping up. Um, the show opened, Rich, and this, we're gonna, this, this is what we're, I was going to bring this up, with uh, Lord Gideon Gray. Yeah, your boy. Legion has been decimated. Um, the great Ocon, he noted, is on loan. On loan, I know. I, there was a lot of little notes here. This is a great promo, by the way. If people are watching this, do not skip this promo. I watched this promo, and then I jumped to the, the kind of the business end of the show. But don't skip this promo. A lot of real good nuggets in this one. How exciting was it that he hinted that Ocon will be back? I was so excited about that. So Ocon's on loan, but then he noted that both Rampage Brown and... Shaw Samuels, and this was news to me and to a lot of others. Uh, how did he phrase it? How did he exactly phrase he it? He said they're sick of being wrestlers and they want to become entertainers. Yes. So I sold their contracts. Yes. To an enter- a sports entertainment company. <laughs> I love shit like That's that. Awesome. He sold their contracts. Not they left. Right. He sold their contracts, weaving it into the Rev Pro story and the storyline canon. And then he introduced um, the newest member of of, uh, of Legion, which turned out to be a women's wrestler. And I don't – I lost my notes. I forgot. Yeah, I, 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 meant, on, I, I meant to make a note of it, but yeah, I, I actually forgot her name too. So. Because he was in our mentions. Did you see that? No. Was he? <laughs> yeah. He always is in our mentions. We were, men- he, we were blessed by the Lord Gideon Gray. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes, because I put over his promo. And I'm going to read you his tweet now because, all right, here's what I said. I said, so did the Gideon Gray promo on the promotion that shall not be named lest you be shunned, Epic Encounter 6 show, break that Shaw Samuels to NXT UK news or had it been reported elsewhere? He replied, who knows? It definitely was the first speech that broke the news that Sky Smithson is now in the Legion, and that's by far the biggest scoop. Oh, what a worker. What a worker. I love it. So Sky Smithson. wrestling. She looked to be the business. She looked like a nasty woman. Yeah, yeah. I'm not fucking with her. Yeah, I don't want to get in an alley with Gideon Gray and Sky Smithson. I'll tell you that. Could you imagine being in an alley with Gideon Gray and Sky Smithson? You're going to get mugged. No, for sure. You're you're, you're done. Yeah, she's going to beat the shit out of you and 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 jack your pockets, and he's going to point at you and laugh. That's how that's going to go down. But yeah, he popped, He pops in our mentions every night. He, he, I don't know, like he doesn't follow us, but he's constantly in our mentions. So I don't know what's up with that, but it was a welcome uh, sight to wake up to because I'm always up for some conversation with the uh, his lordship, Gideon Gray. 
But uh, yeah, he announced um, his new member, and apparently Ocon will be back as uh, as Gideon Gray continues to retool. The only other thing of note: Connor Mills and Michael Oku defeat Sean Jackson and Kenneth Halfpenny as expected. But then Kid Lycos returns, and he returned with Kid Lycos two, who's even smaller than Kid Lycos <laughs> one. Is and I believe we're back on actually on on, on YouTube as well. So we're back up. Okay. We're, apparently we're back up. Uh, yeah. I have no idea where it cut off. We were just finishing up with the with the Rev Pro segment as I uh, I just puked in my mouth a little. <laughs> I just had a meat hiccup. That's the worst. Very gross. Um. So Rich, decision time. Do you want to plow forward or do you want to? Uh, 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 what do we got left here? Yeah, fuck it. Do it live. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go go. We're gonna push up on four hours here. You sure you want to plow forward, my four friend? hours? What else do you have to talk about? We got uh, Yusuke Okada, the All Japan Real World Tag League oh, final, yeah, the maybe. OSU rollout. Oh the- yeah, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get to all those. Yeah, I can't do four hours. I gotta. I I, I don't. Um, Perhaps an overrun uh, solo edition to hit on those final. Why topics. don't you do that? Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't think I can stay up that late to do it. So, so um, we can get through all the topics. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, JL is gonna do an overrun. Here are the topics. You can hear them on the $5 tier if you're interested, if you sign up. First overrun in a long time, huh? I can't even remember the last overrun that we did. Um, are you still there, Rich? Now I am. Nervous. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I know you're nervous now. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, now, <laughs> I'm now Googling my, uh, my, my air code that I got on my computer. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Here will be the contents of the overrun. If you are so inclined, if you are a subscriber, you will have access to this. If not, subscribe on the $5 tier to hear all about Yusuke Okada leaving All Japan Pro Wrestling. We actually have exclusive details on what may have precipitated Mm -hmm. his exit from the company at the end of December. In addition, more All Japan talk. I will break down the real world tag league finals uh, that took place in Cork and Hall. On December 7th, Rich didn't watch that show anyway, so uh, it's okay that I go solo on that. I'm also going to talk about the latest SCSI scam Pro promotion, OSU, funded by the new owners of Zero One, and give you all the details on that and what's going on with OSU. And then the mystery match. I watched a match this week that was incredible. It's going in my notebook. Ooh, a tease. A good classic radio tease. I like it. I gave it four and a half stars. I don't even know this match. I was get, I was ready because you put it in the notes and you did not say what this match was. I was ready. It is the best match of its kind that I've watched all year Oh, for another teaser. And it will flirt with my top ten. Whoa, okay. All right. Out of nowhere. Of the year. So if you want to know what that match is and if you want to hear me break it down, uh, you can subscribe on the $5 tier. And at some point on Thursday... There will be, for the first time in many months, an overrun. I gotta go find that the, the intro. <laughs> we had the intro set up. I don't even know what folder it's in anymore. But uh, yeah, we will have that at patreon.com uh, slash voice wrestling. So sorry we can't go the whole way uh, on this show. But uh, yeah, some we started late and it's getting late at this point. So yeah, and we had the crash and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, But anyway, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, thank you, of course, for everybody listening live on the $10 tier, patreon.com 
uh, slash voice of wrestling the best of the super juniors uh, retro series uh, still going on we are now entering the the semi-modern era 2013 2014 2015 are the episodes coming up uh in the next few days um and yeah plenty of other good stuff going on at voice of wrestling.com as we said previews for the world tag league previews for the best of the super junior uh finals uh previews for triple mania we'll have a preview for final destination as well impact wrestling's uh, uh final destination podcast on the voice wrestling podcast network all that other great stuff MyBookie.ag, of course. Promo code VOW. 50% deposit match. There you go. That's it for us. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.